three, two, one. So that was it. That's the intro. Hi, everybody. This is Sardonicast. <laughs> uh, this is Adam from Your Movie Sex. Who who else is here? You're supposed to be coordinated here. Oh, Ralph, I'm so used to you going second. Oh, it's, I thought our guest yeah. would go. I, I'm Ralph. Usually the guest goes last the based on every yeah, single yeah. other episode we've recorded. <laughs> who else is here? Uh, I'm Alex from IHE, and we are, of course, joined by the special guest, Jenny Nicholson. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks. I didn't want to just jump in until I was yeah. invited formally. Yes, you know, Discord. I, yeah. I prepped everybody for everything but that. I was like, oh, yeah, maybe I should have told them how that goes. But oops. <laughs> Oopsie, whatever. I think it went really well. I think it was really engaging. <laughs> Awkward moments give character. It's natural. It's okay. You know? Yeah. yeah. The old pregnant pause. It's, you know, you need them in podcasts. Did you say again. pregnant pause? Yeah. Yeah. That's a thing. I've never heard that expression. Jeez. I don't really it's know fun. why it's called that, but it is a phrase. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. You learn something new every day. Earlier, we were learning the <laughs> yeah. term e-meat. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe it's pregnant pause, like it's gestating the next thing that's going to be said. Like it carries the weight of a forthcoming thought or something, a sentence. I honestly oh. can't hear the word pause yeah, without sense. thinking P-A-W-S. <laughs> and, and the word pregnant pause just... <laughs> It's, Do you think it was like a furry username or something? Yeah, like a furry thing. It's given me deviant art flashbacks. Is what's happening right now. So that was my deviant art name, Pregnant Paws. Oh, awesome. Okay, yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> a lot of inflation fetish stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. A lot of uh, BronyCon related stuff. By the way, congratulations on your Hugo nomination. Oh yeah, if I got thank that you. Yeah, amazing. That's sick. Yeah. I don't even know about that. It's crazy. Yeah. How did that come about? Yeah. What, can you talk more about that? Because I actually don't know much <laughs> about your Hugo nomination. Um, My BronyCon video got nominated for Best Related Work for the Hugo what? Awards. So I'm up against wow. like a bunch of... It's the category that's like a catch-all. So yeah. like most of the Hugos are novels and stuff, but related works can be like podcasts, um parody works uh a couple of conventions are mm-hmm. running against me so it's yeah. really anyone's convention? race wow. that's incredible yeah yeah Just i think i think whole, at least one maybe two conventions and then i'm like that's hard because then how can people vote if they didn't like attend that convention but i think a lot of it was online so they can like watch oh they're not allowed to stuff. Well, no, I like, I guess they, everyone's supposed to vote. So I just, I don't know. I think that maybe they're going to watch the panels online and then gauge like the content at the con. I'm mm. not sure. I don't think a con's ever been nominated before. That's interesting. Yeah. But yeah, I, I want to try to yeah. watch all the other content I'm against at least. I know I can't consume like everything before the Hugo's, <laughs> but at least the stuff in my category would be nice to know. Yeah. Your competitors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tell everybody in our audience uh, who might not be familiar with you uh, what you're all about, what your your channels all like, and what you do. Um, I feel like every year that gets harder to answer because at mm-hmm. first it was like, oh, I do like Star Wars stuff, and then it was like, I do Star Wars and like Disney and Marvel, and then it was like sometimes I talk about theme parks, and now it's just kind of like any topic that I think would be fun or interesting to talk about for mm-hmm. like a really long time, mm-hmm. like an excruciatingly long time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I guess I like to do like deep dives into things, mm-hmm. um, which could be theme parks. They could be movies. They could be weird reality shows, weird books, um, all kinds of stuff. Right now I'm working on um, a theme park, like an independent theme park in Utah oh. called Evermore. Oh, <laughs> that's like oh. a foreboding <laughs> name. That's a, that sounds that's like cool. it is. Quote the Raven. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's um, it's an interesting story. It's it's not a park that's doing super well right now. There's a lot of drama, a lot okay. of weird backstory. So yeah, oh, awesome. I'm excited about that one. Awesome, that's great. Yeah, what I've always appreciated that's about your cool. channel is it's very you. Um, I think one of the things that really <laughs> uh, struck me when I discovered it was that you were doing uh, reviews of literature, which is not a very common thing on YouTube, and I wouldn't imagine would be a, a very particularly marketable thing because like a lot of people are just looking for video related content but i guess you can make video content out of reviewing literature yeah i know there's a mm -hmm. whole subculture so yeah mm -hmm. there's there's like a whole booktube culture they talk about i think mostly ya books are the most popular topic of booktube but um i think that it's kind of like a thriving community but like kind of like a lot of youtube subgenres maybe the biggest channels in booktube are still like relatively small compared mm. to other genres might have, but I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe there are some really big booktubers, but um, yeah, I didn't see a lot of like parody content with books, mm. um, especially like I think it's hard to do because you have to like know what to leave in because you can't sit down and read an entire book, but you also can't assume that your audience has read the whole book, so you have to yeah. like read parts of it. Yeah, that's mm. a difficult so thing yeah to imagine. Yeah, whenever I would do a book, I would just uh, read the whole thing first and like highlight passages and like stick post-it notes in if I thought it was like a funny part and mm. then just go back and read all the highlighted parts. So I would know what was necessary to like understand the story, but also like what's funny. And uh, then it was pretty fast to record after I did that because like all the work was basically done, but um, a lot of pre-preparation. That's awesome. Somebody in my audience notified me that uh, you've written a couple articles for Playboy. How did that happen? Oh, yeah. Well, that was oh. weird. That was a while ago, too. Mm -hmm. I think they literally just emailed me and were like, would you want to do that? And I was like, okay. Like, I think both <laughs> times they even, like, approached me with the topic. And I was like, yeah, that sounds interesting. And I thought that was cool because it's, like, a real publication, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah. <laughs> and that, that was it. They basically just emailed me with, like, the idea and I was pretty, like, new to YouTube, so I thought it was, like, really flattering that they would want me to write something for them. Oh, yeah. So I did it. But, yeah, I wish it was more exciting. How how big was your audience at the time? I think I was at, like, like between 100,000 and 200,000 subscribers. Okay. Which I feel like is, like, you have an audience, but you feel, like, insecure in your place as a YouTuber, <laughs> kind of. Yeah, I noticed, um, I, di I didn't do, like, a deep dive or anything. I noticed Adam Conover also wrote an article for Playboy. And I, I guess it got me to be thinking about how, like, a lot of uh, old media publications are kind of having to compete on the Internet now. <laughs> you know, it's like a normal thing. Yeah. And so. Yeah, for sure. Combining old media and new media almost seems like a viable strategy for them at some points. Yeah, definitely. Did either of you have any questions, Alex and Ralph? Yeah. Um and I, I apologize in advance to Adam, because I know you just don't care about this topic at all. Oh, but... great. <laughs> <laughs> Star Wars. We have to talk about Star Wars. Um, right. Where, where do you kind of stand on it at the moment? Are you just done with it at this point? Did, did the Mandalorian do anything for you? Or... Yeah, that's a really good question. I'm genuinely really curious. Yeah, I, I kind of have just like stopped liking Star Wars, I guess. It's weird, because like, I still have all my Star mm -hmm. Wars stuff. Yeah, like I have all my uh, my porgs and and stuff like that, but I just feel like um, a lot of the newer content is like 
Actually, I don't want to single anyone out. I feel like there are some creatives at Lucasfilm who make a kind of content that I'm just not interested in that's very like fanboy centric. And uh, I feel like all the new stuff is like that. And so I just, I don't know, they they kept releasing products that I like didn't care about. And then I really disliked uh, The Rise of Skywalker. So, Mm -hmm. you know, at first when that movie came out, I was like, that's okay. I still like Star Wars. And then the more stuff that came out, the more I was like, I'll see like an R2-D2 in a store and be like, I'm free. Like, I don't (laughs) Mm -hmm. care about Star Wars anymore. But it's kind of sad because I have, you know, all my Porgs and my BB-8s and I have like lightsabers in my Mm. living room. And Yeah, um, your channel banner is still (laughs) BB-8. Is it really? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I never... I never update those. It'll probably stay BB-8 forever. <laughs> yeah, well, Am- Amanda's channel is forever Amanda the Jedi, so. Yeah. <laughs> she, she's got to deal with that a bit more. super into Star Wars? <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't know. I think we asked her about why her channel name was Amanda the Jedi, and she didn't seem to be like, I don't know if she's super into it. She didn't seem to be like a super Star Wars fan at this point. I don't think she dedicates a lot of time to talking about, talking about Star Wars. She could liberate herself. No, it'd be really easy to just like, I mean, her name is already part of the name. So if she was just Amanda last name, then I feel like she could easily transition if she wanted Mm, to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, at least we now know why Han Solo's name is Solo. Oh, yeah. yeah. At least we have that. (laughs) <laughs> that was really necessary. Yeah, that whole movie. Yeah, <laughs> Rise of Skywalkers. That sucks. That was a bad movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was horrible. It it like ruined. It crushed my soul. I was so sad about it. <laughs> like for for like months, I was so sad every time I thought about how disappointed I was about it. And I guess I still am. Now I'm just angry. So that's better. No, mm-hmm. just angry about it. Bitter. Yeah, can't say I blame you. The secret to never being disappointed is never having expectations. <laughs> yeah. I wish I hadn't. I just was really <laughs> tricked into thinking it was going somewhere, you know? Oh, wow. <laughs> I was completely fooled. Yeah. That was, mm. like, originally supposed to be, like, a Lord and Miller thing, and then they scrapped that idea or something. I don't remember. What, the solo movie? Yeah, it was supposed to be... It was... Yeah. Yeah. It was supposed to be something completely different. Oh, yeah, solo was. I feel like you can kind of see all the thumbprints in solo, where it's, yeah. like, mm-hmm. it, you can imagine beats <laughs> that in an absurdist comedy would have been, like, a funny scene, yeah, and then they yeah. turned it serious, so uh-huh. it's not. It's just a really weird movie. Oops. It turns out that having a lack of direction... In a franchise spanning multiple films, is not a good thing. <laughs> what was that new quote yeah. that came out? Was it J.J. Abrams that said, "Hey, I guess maybe we should have had a plan." That's right. <laughs> that's funny. yeah. Uh, that's funny. Insulting. Yeah, he said maybe it would have been better if we planned all three, and it's like, yeah, yeah. You don't say. <laughs> no shit. Very interesting. What a crazy. Yeah. I was looking at just the Shocking. finances of the movies, like the mm-hmm. the Star Wars trilogy, the new one. And the newest one made significantly less than, like, Last Jedi. Like, each one, there's, like, a huge oh, really? drop-off. Like, the highest-grossing movies of all time, Last Jedi is 14, right? And then mm-hmm. the one after, it's much less. I hope that was word of mouth and, like, people, yeah. it was because people heard it was bad. But I don't even have faith in that. It was probably just because people were bored of Star Wars. It still made well, a billion yeah. dollars, of course. But I'm just saying, like, yeah. top-grossing movies of all time, it's 32. Oh, that's a disgrace. Yeah. You know, like there was a huge drop off. If I can kind of rationalize why people would be so unwilling to check out the third movie, I think it's because like episode seven was such a carbon copy of episode four 
that it didn't really tell you much about what the new trilogy was going to be. So you could kind of fill in the mm-hmm. rest with your imagination and be like, oh, they set some stuff up and it could go really interesting. I wonder what they'll do when they actually break away from just making a carbon copy a nostalgia bait thing. And the expectation was that they would. And then episode eight happened and people were like, oh, I didn't. I didn't like what this was, <laughs> you know? So it was yeah, no I feel longer... like episode eight set up like so many, it basically diverged from the old trilogy. Like I felt like episode eight, I watched it and I was like, oh, like it's doing a new thing. Like this could go in any direction. It's got all these like status quo shakeups mm-hmm. and like characters mm-hmm. are ending the film in like weird places. Like it made a lot of moves you would expect the final film in a trilogy to make. So mm-hmm. I felt like that left the board like basically wiped clean where you're like, oh, anything can happen. What will the third movie be? And then the third yeah. movie was just like resetting the chessboard and being oh, yeah. like, actually, mm-hmm. it's going to be all the most, <laughs> all the things you can expect the most of a Star Wars movie with like nothing, nothing exciting, nothing new. It's just like all the saddest, most played out beats back for more. It was two directors arguing with each other over what the series should be with the movies themselves. Yeah, and it's like, Such a waste. <laughs> yeah, he, he electively left and didn't do the whole trilogy. So it's like, You know, once he's yielded that, he can't come back and be mad at what they've done while he's gone. He has to, like, accept that and try to make a good movie instead of, like, resetting everything. Yeah, I'm I'm honestly shocked that there was no coordination because even even with the credit showing, like, written and directed by Ryan Johnson in the back of my head, I was thinking, I mean, his name's there, but he didn't. You know, he's he's <laughs> working with he's working with like yeah. a blueprint that somebody else mm-hmm. gave him, right? But yeah, apparently, I no. So. I thought it was like there was a a room where they're all together and they were like, yeah, okay, and then like a plan. it's gonna go this way, or at least he had the ideas, but then it was collaborative from there, where he's like, what if Snoke dies in this one? And they're like, oh, and then we can do this. But it does seem like they just sent him off, and then he came back with something, and they're like, I guess we'll figure it out after this. And it's like, why would you do it that way? There's so much riding on it financially. They were in the middle of building a theme park set in this timeline, oh, which yeah. is mm-hmm. such a horrible idea. Uh, it's so insane. <laughs> I think part of that probably comes from how ballsy they were, just thinking like, you know what? We can do anything, and people will eat this up. I think that's how Disney thought about Star Wars. I think Wars. it was that. Yeah, I think you're they right. They were like, yeah. we don't need to do anything because it's Star Wars. You can tell they had no. It was like all hubris. Sure, there's a lot of things going on. Ryan Johnson's definitely a talented yeah. director because he made Knives Out, which I think is really good. I think that's a really mm-hmm. good movie. And I'd also I put and... some of the responsibility on J.J. Abrams and also Kathleen Kennedy, who was like the producer of the trilogy. Mm-hmm. Wait, so do none of you guys like The Last Jedi? Am I the only one that likes it? I, I liked Jedi. it at first, but I'm souring on it as time goes on. Cause it... Oh, I loved it. Yeah, I, I did as well. Well, in the, the trilogy, time, it doesn't like work, but that's it... not the fault of the movie. Because, like, the trilogy, you know, he thought they were going to continue his story. And I felt like he did leave it open for them to do that. They it's just it's didn't. almost too conclusive, the story. Oh, no, I, I loved it. I loved that it was conclusive. I mean, that was like literally, I made it like a wish list before the movie came out, and I was like, what if Snoke died in the second one? That would be such a game changer. And then it literally happened. So I was so excited because like, I don't know. I I liked that it, people said it was conclusive, but to me it was like the opposite of it because it was like there was intended to be a third movie. And the fact that so many of what you thought were like these basic boring plot threads were wrapped up, left you to have this kind of like gray character beats, like moral ambiguity. You're like, now we don't have a cartoon villain. We have Kylo Ren, who's like a conflicted villain. And he's probably going to have to lead the First Order in the next one. And you have all these pieces set up where you're like, 
oh, it could go anywhere. Mm. Like all bets are off. So yeah, I didn't feel like it felt over. I, I felt like it felt like it had negated all of the most predictable story beats and kind of like pruned those threads. So you felt like all the remaining possibilities would probably be something really unique and exciting and not just Palpatine coming back from the dead. I guess somehow. that's what I lament more, yeah. I, I agree that that's exciting, but it ha- for me, in order for that to work, I mean, if you're going to do a third movie, it's like you have to have... That has to feel justified somewhere, right? Because like the, mm-hmm. the, the trilogy doesn't end on the second movie out of the trilogy. Personally, I'm a little indifferent about it. I don't really care too much about Star Wars as a whole. I'm not like a huge fan of any of the films. But for me, episode wow. eight... I loved what was happening filmmaking-wise. I loved the cinematography. Like, some of the most memorable parts are, like, the the visuals for, uh, you know, the salt red planet and the crashing mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. And it's, like, visually, that's really striking, and I love it. But story-wise, I, it's not like I was, like, offended at anything. It's just I wasn't really that invested. And then key moments, like the... I don't know. It's, it's always... Uh, <laughs> It always irritates me no matter what the film when it's like love saves the day. And we kind of got that message with uh, Rose and what's the guy's name? Where it's like she crashes <laughs> into him. Oh, like yeah, that yeah. that, that moment was I was really like bad scene though. Mm, that was an awful scene. I didn't scene, like that, that at all. Like that that was a cringe <laughs> moment for me. I couldn't with the kiss, yeah, yeah, very strange. Well, I thought that was gonna set up something that would happen in the third movie, but exactly. I was like, Oh, that line is gonna be like a poignant line in the next movie that'll come back. Yeah. 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 Um, I had but so then many even caveats. Rose didn't come back effectively. Rose was just kind of gone in the next movie. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. too scared the the, the complete yeah. picture of the trilogy yeah. makes each of the individual films worse. They all drag each other down. I don't know. Yeah, I guess I still like The Last Jedi the same amount because mm. I, I think, like, especially knowing it was created in isolation, you're just like, well, he thought it was going to have a better ending after it. So I still like it the same, but I can't really enjoy watching it now because it is just, like, frustrating being mm-hmm. like, oh... This yeah, effectively saying. never had a sequel. <laughs> yeah. It basically just, you know, didn't end because, <laughs> yeah. you know, no one attempted to pick up those plot threads at all. Yeah, none of them were picked up. Yeah. I think ranking them, like, it's not the worst movie. <laughs> there are a lot of prequel fanboys who go after it. I seven think a lot Attack of the Clones is a worse movie than. No, I blame like, Seven more as well. Yeah. Revenge of the I Sith, the you want to debate? Is oh, the of worst course. One, like, though. Revenge of the Sith has some redeemable parts, like some funny parts, I guess. Like, Attack of Clones is boring. That's just mm. fucking boring. Yeah, like, Revenge and of the Sith is, like, camp, which I think is fun. Yeah, Attack of the Clones, sure. I think, is a little worse. I think Phantom Menace is, like, the worst of all. <laughs> but I think Last Jedi is better no, than those. No. I think it's better than a lot of those. Yeah. It's, just, uh. yeah. it's a little more interesting. It's a little better shot. The story's better. Like, yeah, there's, like, a, lo- a few things like that. It depends on what <laughs> characteristics you value. Because the people that love the, so. the prequel yeah. trilogies love space politics and there's a lot of space <laughs> politics in those movies right even so it's like i don't know the first one is so unwatchable if i i don't get any visuals out of the prequels in like if, if yeah. i'm looking for some good interesting visuals i'm not really getting that out of the prequels because every yeah. shot looks so bad like everything looks so fake, yeah i mean it's right? just the constraints of the green screen where they have to just kind of like be standing in front of a flat plane yeah at all the times. constraints that george <laughs> lucas put on the movie himself 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know exactly. why. The, the restraints he consciously gave himself. They're a fascinating yeah. series of movies. Yeah. For sure. Not for me. <laughs> I mean, none of them are really for me. <laughs> but, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway. Speaking of uh, Disney dumpster fires, uh, we yeah, all cool, saw so. Girl Joker. I mean... Cruella, what did <laughs> it was Joker think? and the Devil Wears Prada? It was both of those mm. things. It was a lot of things. Well, what are your, what yeah, are your first thoughts here, Jenny? Um, I it was so horrible. Um, like to kind of a fantastical degree, I felt like the first hour or so was like horrible in a really unfun way, where I was like constantly mad at like all of their like editing yes. choices and like directing choices and the writing. And then, like, the final act, which felt like an additional hour. I'm not positive. It felt very long. Um, the final act started to get so crazy that it was, like, fun, bad. And then I was, like, way more on board. Um, but I, I don't want to give it any credit by saying that because it was definitely just, like, an extremely bad, like, very incompetently made movie. <laughs> but at least it was, like, funny at the end. So I'll give it that. I did, like, really enjoy it, ultimately. <laughs> it was almost like a Saw movie reveal at the end. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It was da, da, da. Oh, the reveal. Da, da, da. Where, wait, are we spoilers? Are we spoiling? Yeah, can we yeah, spoilers? spoilers. Yeah. yeah, let's do spoilers. Thanks for the reminder to <laughs> tell the people, reveal yeah. with the butler when he's suddenly like, uh, you know, that this key opens a music box and the Duchess is your mother. I like. I was completely losing it at that scene. It's it was like the really craziest funny. thing I'd seen in a theater in years. Also, okay, am I confused here? Did I miss something? But like. The Duchess doesn't magically give up her property because she's going to jail, right? Like, that's an inheritance thing. She's still alive. Also, the property's going to the imaginary... or Sorry, to Estella, not Cruella. And even if Estella writes in her own will that everything she owns goes to Cruella, how did Estella get in the first place if the Baroness is Yeah, why didn't she fake Cruella's death? Because, like, she faked the death of the person who stood to inherit everything. Maybe in this fantasy universe, whoever has the music box key inherits the manor. And that's why the key was so instrumental. I, I was recording a review for this earlier and I was skimming around trying to find the scene and I couldn't find it. But I swear that I, maybe I made this up in my head, but I swear there was a moment of like them saying, oh, and I I signed uh, my will as Estella saying I'm giving everything to my friend Cruella. I'm just wondering how Estella gets it in the first place if the Baroness is still alive. Maybe she was killed in prison and they uh, cut out that scene on the in the Also, there's process. no body for Estella. She's just a missing person. Well, she fell into the sea. Yeah, but... Everyone saw her plummet <laughs> yeah. to her death. That was a hilarious scene. She, she, she could have had a parachute. She her into the ocean. <laughs> yes, she did. In front of all those people. That was so funny. Yeah, and the... And she somehow didn't hear any of those, like, hundreds of people coming like out onto the balcony. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and she goes into a parachute, drives away in the boat, does a costume change, goes all the way back to shore, and then shows up in the As Deville cool. vehicle just to flex on the Baroness <laughs> right yeah. as she gets... But yeah. This is just as the cops are arriving to the murder scene. <laughs> so yeah, she, she had to be The cops were already there. Remember they were putting handcuffs on her? So in between oh, walking remember. her from the backyard <laughs> to the front of the house, she did all that. Yeah. Oh, wow. The cops were already there. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, she preemptively called the cops to, mm-hmm. to be party to the murder. Yeah, the cops were there. They were putting handcuffs on her immediately, remember? She's like, what are you doing with those handcuffs? Oh, okay. <laughs> they just always walk around with those at the ready. <laughs> I don't know. The movie was... I wasn't a fan of it, sorry. <laughs> wow. I'll start with the two things I liked, okay? Yeah. The, that being the two lead actors and the costume department. 
Those are the two things I liked in this movie. The two lead actors being Emma Stone and uh, other Emma, the two Emmas. Yeah, Yeah. the two Emmas, the dual Emmas. Um, I thought they were okay. Well, I loved Emma Stone in it. Like, she seemed like she was having a wonderful time. Yeah. I love Emma Thompson in everything, but in this, I didn't like her. I felt like she was just doing the Meryl Streep Devil Wears Prada thing. Mm. Like, it was, I don't know. It felt like it could have been a zanier character, but she just seemed like she was like, well, I guess this character just acts exactly as you'd expect. And she just kind of was mimicking like every character of that type. I was wanting to love Emma Stone and to some extent Emma Thompson in this film, but I couldn't because before I watched Cruella, I had recently watched the 90s Dalmatians movie with Glenn Close and also oh, the 60s so one. I mean, it's not a good movie, I'm, but yeah. <laughs> but the performance is very captivating and it's exhilarating and it's great it's funny it's cheese it's you know it a lot of it you don't take seriously i don't know how much you're supposed to it's not a good movie but the performance is like so wild and out there because what glenn close was doing yeah. is she was matching what the character was in the 60s film and the character in the 60s mm-hmm. film was also very eccentric and out there and like spoiled and pampered and clearly has never had anybody tell her no in her life and just freaks out blah 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 and a very huge uh, energy to this character. And it's so toned down in Cruella. Well, it's her origin story, and it's an alternate universe, so she she has to be <laughs> lovable now. If you're making a movie trying to market towards people who may, you know, who recognize the character, theoretically, you're marketing towards people who want to see that character. And if you're not going to show the character... Then what is that? You know, they show they showed a glimpse of it for one scene in this new Cruella film where she basically just told Horace and Jasper, I'm Cruella. And it's like, oh, now she's like a bit more eccentric. <laughs> and then I thought she was going to do the rest of the movie like that. And then she tones it down again. Yeah. I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Disney. It, it, I everything's her so interactions toned down. with Horace and Jasper. Like when she started calling them like <laughs> imbeciles and stuff. It yeah. was amazing because it's like. She's playing this, like, in some scenes, she's, like, an extremely grounded character. And then in other mm-hmm. scenes, she's, like, acting like Cruella. So it, like, begs the question of, like, imagining you are her friends and you, like, come back to your apartment <laughs> and suddenly someone's doing, like, a crazy mid-Atlantic accent and being, like, <laughs> fools, I need you to capture those dogs. And just, like, having to take that in stride. And <laughs> that's just your life now. The black yeah. and white hair is it was a like metaphor fun. for the she two had, like, sides of her personality. personality. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was like Venom. It was, like Venom. Venom. It was yeah. Venom. Guys, we did it. <laughs> I was amazed to see five writers credited for this. Three for the oh, story, what? two for screenplay. <laughs> and one of them... Because I noticed the Devil Wears Prada thing while watching it too. And mm-hmm. yeah, sure enough, uh, the the screenplay writer for Devil Wears Prada wrote Oh, this that's movie so alongside. much more embarrassing to oh, rip that's yourself hilarious. off. Ke- Kelly Marshall, one of the other Good writers, catch. wrote Venom. Yeah. Oh, um, oh, my so God. So they're just doing their thing. Yes. That's amazing. That's why it feels like five different movies. Because part of it's like a, <laughs> a heist awesome. movie. It's like such a mess. That's Oh, so the good. heist stuff was wild. I kept laughing at that because I just kept kind of like, my soul kept leaving my body and I kept being <laughs> like, I can't believe what I'm watching right now. I can't believe this is the Cruella movie. Yeah. When the first 15 minutes are like the epic prologue. Like, so oh yeah, the, the prologue the is interesting because this kind of ties into what you said about like, um, you know, I, I can't believe this is marketed to people that went in like looking for Cruella. I would argue that it's not even marketed to people who care about Cruella Deville or the animated movie, like just people who have a vague cultural awareness of it, because the prologue yeah. 
gave me such Disney Descendants vibes where it's like it's a little kid. She's wearing her little punk rock costume with her fingerless gloves that they probably sell at the theme park right now. She's got her little Mm. wig. So she looks like a doll. And they cast like this this cute little girl with like big eyes and like petite features. And it's like, okay, she's supposed to look like a little doll that you want to buy a doll of and you want to buy her costume and be her for Halloween. Like it felt like it was made for like seven to 12 year olds Mm. who they who love descendants and are going to buy the merchandise and kind of identify with this sanitized Disney version of like a punk rocker girl. Oh, yeah. Who's like yeah. cool and edgy, but Corporate still a good punk. guy. Which was so confusing, though, because it was two hours, 14 minutes long. I, I, I would feel like if you're trying to so a movie for that it audience, a 90 minute Cruella movie, I could enjoy. Yeah. You know? It's way like, too just long. Just get in and yeah. out. The Don't juggle all these the different pacing. ideas. Yeah, that, that was yeah. the worst oh, part for so me. It's so boring. It just felt, yeah, it was way too long. Yeah, there's that iconic scene where she's doing the monologue, like, straight to camera, and you're like, oh, this is the closing monologue. And she keeps going, and finally she's like, (laughs) I'm Cruella. And you're like, okay, the movie's over. It's going to go to credits. And then she goes... Anyway, I have lots more to do. And then the movie yeah. like keeps going. We gotta like, totally what's prank the Baroness for a while. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna update yeah, her and so I'm gonna weird. sing a song on stage and I'm gonna do some vandalisms and I'm gonna do some art performance pieces. I'm the new Marina Abramovich or some shit. Like it was so <laughs> weird. Like I don't <laughs> Yeah. I don't they, there were so many different ideas in this film that are all just like mm-hmm. mishmashed together. Yeah. But they don't fit. And, like, one Mm -hmm. of the more consistent elements of this film is just, like, okay, obviously, it's a Disney remake in current year. Obviously, they're going to do a lot of references and callbacks to the original film, yada, yada, yada. And it's clear Mm -hmm. that the focus is putting them in the film, but the focus is not putting them in a film, in the film, in a way where it makes sense. It is actively contradicting Mm -hmm. itself. So, you see things like... Uh, like her hair being, oh, she was born that way with it. It's like, okay, now that says less about her character because that's not something she decided, yeah. right? Uh, oh, she met Horace and Jasper when they were really little. Okay, now it makes less sense that she, they she treats them like shit because they're so nice to her in this. I was expecting some sort of yeah. justification. And then, oh, the puppies... Yeah, they're uh, like her found family. Yeah, yeah they they saved her and in multiple times. And then we got like Dalmatian pushes the mom off the cliff and you think, oh, this is to justify why she hates Dalmatians. And then it doesn't and it turns out it was the Baroness and she likes Dalmatians. The and then flashback he, where yeah, she's got the like, little dog whistle and she's pointing. She pretends she kills them in this movie and wears a coat but she doesn't and then later i guess she gives the puppies of these dalmatians to roger and anita in the end credit post credit scene mid credits and it's like okay well i guess we needed to to have that explained we who could imagine yeah. how those characters could have gotten a dog you can't just buy a dog we need to yeah, know exactly also how they Congo got and Purdy are, are <laughs> incest dogs because they were siblings before they had a bunch yeah, of babies I, that's the implication and then, and then again, yeah. like reference, like oh, let's throw in the Cruella Deville song right at the end. Oh, there's Roger, perfect. He's going to play that on the <laughs> piano. In the original '60s film, that was a spite song. That was a hate song. He played. The, he wrote yeah. the song right after she came in, trashed her yeah. cigarette ashes all over the place, and yelled at them. In this film, he writes the song right after he gets a free dog, and they haven't had any conflict throughout the entire movie. So why? Are you, and they didn't change the lyrics. So it's like, why yeah. is he writing this hate no, Roger song? Roger was amazing, though. <laughs> There were so many like iconically dumb moments, like the when they first introduced Roger, who didn't have to be in the movie at all. Like there was no reason for him to exactly. be there. Exactly. But no. <laughs> uh, the Emma Thompson character is like, 
Um, I'm going to call my lawyer. His name's Roger, and he also writes music on the piano. Oh. It's like, why does she know that about her lawyer? Why is she volunteering this information? It's, it's for us. This like socialite woman <laughs> who doesn't like any of her workers and like dehumanizes them knows the piano playing hobby of her lawyer that she also yeah. hates. I guess. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, <laughs> if the the amount that they insist on over-explaining every element of every single thing that you've seen in the previous films makes it so much less valuable, you know? Just like Solo, yeah. I was so mad that I missed the scene where she got the car. I, I went to the oh, bathroom yeah? when she got the car and apparently saw a license plate and went, DeVille, I like the sound of that. I was so <laughs> yeah, mad yeah. when I got back yeah. and found out I'd missed it. Because like moments like that are like the tackiest part of any origin story. Where oh, it's yeah. like a character has to see an iconic object and be like, I'm going to carry that cane all the time now. Yeah. Or like whatever the iconic object is. All of her character traits just come from the Baroness. Like they're not hers. Yeah. Like it, it says less about the character. There's a tiny moment where she's watching like literally it's like five seconds in the film. She sees someone do an evil laugh on TV and then just like smirks. Yeah. Like, oh, she she wouldn't have known how to do an evil laugh. That's where she got it. She had to hear someone else say <laughs> the words so imbecile in me. front of her for her to learn the word imbecile. Like she's she's yeah. the most unoriginal human being on the planet and everything she does is lifted from just another moment that like um <laughs> that fishnet veil or something over her face it was from her throwing out garbage yeah. and it just landed on her face oh she learned how to <laughs> how to do a fashion choice from like the 50s or whatever or the 20s i don't remember. i love moments like that though because like my my least favorite film genre of all time is like uh fictionalized biopics or like these kind of fictional character like retroactive origin stories yeah so like you know, if you hear like, oh, they made a movie about Charles Dickens and you're like, if I go to see that movie, there's going to be a scene where he like meets a man that looks like Scrooge. And I always think that like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Like, movies about creatives are such a bad thing to do biopics about yeah. because you have to visually represent them getting ideas. And it's always by just like putting something in their field of vision that's like yeah. a top hat or like some kind of other icon. <laughs> They're not even talented. And it's like the tackiest thing a movie can do. <laughs> they d yeah. Everything just kind of fell into their There's lap. There's this amazing uh, Lifetime it movie about the life of J.K. Rowling, which I love. And of course, she has to be like sitting in class and have a teacher that looks like Snape and things like <laughs> oh, that. God. So wow. whenever Cruella did that anything like great. that, I was like, yes. Yeah. But uh, unfortunately, it was a lot of like other nonsense that wasn't just moments like that. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess you're traveling solo. So your name's Han Solo. <laughs> it's like, it's all the same shit. Disney yeah, just keeps exactly. doing the same thing yeah. over and yes. over and over again. And in the, the Han Ugh. Solo, he gets handed the blaster and it's like, oh, I'll use this blaster forever. It'll be my iconic blaster. And like Lando has to only wear capes. Here's a weird one. At the end of the movie, she takes the sign Hellman House and removes the <laughs> yeah. removes the man, and then it's Hell House. Hell House. Was that Hell to Hall. imply that there were like a lot of feminist themes in this film? Do, do, do people think that is that a thing, or is it just because it stars women? I think the women? people who made it think that. Yeah, I, I think the creators thought yeah, it was a feminist text. Yeah, there's <laughs> there's women in this movie. It's feminist. Okay, <laughs> so you're not yeah, really doing it exactly. <laughs> and a different pop song every five minutes. There were so many like weird elements, like making Cruella's aesthetic like this London punk aesthetic when it's like she's always represented like wealth and nobility and like privilege. Yeah. yeah. Like, why not just have her be like a bratty socialite kid that shakes up the up upper crust or something? And then you're like, oh, she just got a bad rap because she was a visionary and she didn't fit with their stuffy lifestyle or whatever. It's like it doesn't mm. make any sense to make her like a punk rock scrappy kid who had like an Oliver Twist childhood. It's much less interesting. 
Yeah, and it, it doesn't resemble Cruella <laughs> yeah. or like anything that her character is yeah. about. I was going to say the opening, it reminded me of Wonder Woman, the film Wonder Woman, when they focused <laughs> on her as a kid. And it's just kind of manipulative because it doesn't really add anything to like the character. I don't think mm. you, you could just start it with Emma Stone. <laughs> I don't know. Never saw it. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely, yeah. I don't know. I, I noticed that Disney movies love to have kid flashbacks now, which they never did in the past. And I think it's entirely because now they sell dolls of the child versions of all the characters. Uh, Even oh the ones gosh. retroactively that didn't appear as children. But like, There's yeah, it's like Moana, you had to see her as a kid. Merida was a kid. It's like all of the new princesses, you have to see them as a child at the beginning. And it's because then they can sell a canonical looking baby doll of that character. Hmm. So what what happened in this movie that was even PG thirteen? Do you think Disney wanted a PG thirteen rating to make it seem more it was like was a PG thirteen? Really? Apparently, I didn't, I didn't even know that. that. Joker. Was it just violence? Was it the just jokes the about skinning it? the dogs or something? Yeah, I don't know. There weren't like any. Were there any cut curse words? The death at the beginning. I mean, it's not violent. Yeah, I mean, like I don't know. The Lion King had a much more traumatic yeah. death, right? So, yeah, true. <laughs> that wasn't PG thirteen. Did she say anything kind of edgy, like hell or damn? I or mean, anything? the word hell house, but that was also in the sixties film. I mean, yeah, but like, did she use it colloquially or anything? Maybe the soundtrack has a. Swear Do you think word they asked <laughs> for a thirteen rating? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty edgy. Yeah. Yeah. She's so edgy. <laughs> yeah. What's so edgy about Hell House? Like, that's not even that bad. It, it, what's well, that movie? Edgy. Irreversible. It's scary. There's like a club in that. They should have called it oh, that. Oh, God. That really <laughs> well, imagine a house that's in hell. That would be really frightening. Yeah. Like, hell, yeah. that's nothing. <sighs> yeah. Hmm. Come on. Come on, Disney. I don't know. I can't believe I paid 30 bucks for this because I had to oh, watch Oh, congratulations, Ralph. No. Yeah. You watched Fucking it on Disney. Bags, I saw it in Disney. a theater. Yeah, I'm not gonna. Uh, it's cheaper to see it in a theater for sure, but I didn't want to go all the way out to see this. Oh, I love yeah. seeing movies. I'll see any movie in a theater just because I get to eat popcorn. You can't take popcorn yeah, in but your like, own I house. I feel like any bad movie is better in a theater because then you like <laughs> have true. to look at it. I feel like it's hard to watch a bad movie in your house without like mm. getting up and walking away. <laughs> but if you're in a theater, you have like your snacks. And, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I watched this in Luca like as a double feature. If I'm watching <laughs> a a bad movie. My ideal experience is to kind of riff on it with a friend who also is yeah. laughing at and it. And be able you know? to pause it when it's two hours, 20 long. I don't like disturbing other people in a theater. So if, if, if there's like a really, really bad movie and I need to like whisper something very quietly to a friend in a theater, yeah. we move to the front. We sat no in the people. front. I, we did I'm get like, shushed okay, for yeah. laughing yeah, at we're it go- like, We're going to move far away from everybody just so we can like... <laughs> The entire. You know? I didn't feel this needed like my undivided attention the entire time. Mm. That's insulting. Yeah, true. <laughs> no, do insult it. Deserves. What did you guys think about the Baroness plot? I I was so frustrated that like they they gave her these two personalities, and I thought they would do the thing that movies typically do, where it's like one personality gets the approval of the Baroness, and the other is like invisible to her, and so that would be kind of the seduction to becoming Cruella. It's like I'm getting this approval mm-hmm. from like a mother figure. But instead, it was the inverse. Like, her good self was noticed and respected by her evil boss, even yeah. though she was, like, all mousy and shy. And then the evil one was, like, her rival, but also kind of had her respect. So it's like, what's the point of the two personalities? <laughs> right. I felt they went the the least interesting route with it. Yeah, and it, and she didn't have any conflict about, like, maybe I like her because she's kind to me when I'm my other self. It was like, once she decided to, like, kill her and destroy her, she just wanted to do that. So it made no yeah. sense. There was, like, no point to it. There are kind sure. of more interesting things you could explore with that. You're right. 
Yeah, it felt pointless. Bizarre. But I guess it had five writers, so... Yeah, they they throw things in without any care about why it's in there, just the fact that it's in there. Most represented by the element that this is the worst with, (laughs) I'm looking for the right phrasing here, is the music. The the soundtrack where we hear every Mm. hit song from the 70s that has ever existed... And you're yeah, on to the like, next one before you have seconds in a between. chance to breathe. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's like it literally doesn't stop. Yeah. It was so obtrusive. Yeah. I think the editor literally exhausting. couldn't have done this movie without being able to cut to songs. I think they didn't know how to transition to a new scene without throwing in like an extremely recognizable pop it's padding. song. It reminded me of Captain Marvel. Yeah. Where they had to <laughs> remind you what era it was. Yeah, every, was so t- every time it was too much. That soundtrack must have been like 90 songs long. It was insane. I know. I swear it broke a record. I have never felt this way <laughs> watching a movie, just being like, <laughs> really? Already? Again? And just like, they weren't it even edited in, in great. Like, sometimes they would just have this like really weird fade where it was like, oh, that was noticeable. And then they'll talk for like 20 seconds. And then the same song comes back later to like end the scene. And everything's just so like weird, disjointed and awkward and like. There's no way that these songs were in the script. Yeah, and the music wasn't even they just like deep cuts. They tossed as many in as they could. All the songs were like the most obvious, like famous songs. Exactly. Too. So you weren't even like, oh, like this is the director's like niche familiarity with like 70s yeah. music. It was just like every song you've already heard, even if you're like not from that yeah. era. It just felt so basic and obvious. That was the mm-hmm. worst part of the movie for me. It made it legitimately exhausting. Yeah. I mean, if it wasn't exhausting already. <laughs> yeah. What was, was making long. me angry was the, uh, and we've complained about this in Disney's output the last few years with just animals and making them CG. They can't get real <laughs> yeah. dogs for this. They weren't, it wasn't even just like They're when they were real in peril. Dogs? Like they would just be in someone's arms and they would be like pet and that would be a fake yeah. dog. And it's like, why? And it always looked bad. It never looked good. Yeah. It might be yeah. controversial now to use like dogs in movies, but I don't even like, I think dogs are okay. Like dog actors are. Fine. It might be, yeah. I, I watched this movie with my dog. Must be the only reason is it's like <laughs> a PETA thing. CGI. Like it was really that's the main reason. Make an animated movie. Make an animated it was, movie. Yeah, yeah. it's really sake. distracting. You know, like, like all these the CGI 60s, dogs. Maybe. It looked yeah. really fake. The dogs looked horrible. They looked scary. They didn't have yeah. so much of a role in the film that if they were real, I would think that's mean to put them in that seat. Like they ran and yeah, they growled. Yeah, because half the time, <laughs> like her sidekicks, her sidekick <laughs> dogs were just kind of being held in people's arms for most of the scenes they were in. Yeah. I could mm-hmm. understand CGI in them when they needed to like do things in the mission and they just didn't feel like training dogs or like when they needed the dog to wink or whatever. But uh, most of the time it was like, no, th- that person's just holding a dog on a leash. That could just be a dog, especially the non-Dalmatians. It's like, I'm sure there are a lot of trained chihuahuas in Hollywood. There's a lot of ways they could have taken the story, and it's crazy that I barely remember anything about a two-hour and 15-minute-long movie. Mm-hmm. I remember like the absolute most basic plot points and just how irritating the music was, <laughs> and that's all I'm left <laughs> with at the end of it. <laughs> like, holy crap, you could have done this in so much less time. I feel like it's like almost a gift in that like I'll keep remembering like a random moment and like chuckling at it because it was like really weird. Like, I was mm-hmm. just remembering the flashback where you find out that the Baroness is her mother, and there's that shot of Emma Thompson with, like, <laughs> old-timey movie star, like, makeup running down her face in, like, the destroyed room, and she's mm-hmm. just like, I'm pregnant. And, like, that was a great mm-hmm. moment. There were a lot of moments like that where you were just like, this is absurd. So 
I appreciate that. Uh, the entire thing with the butler revealing that her locket is like the key to a music box that holds like her secret birth certificates was such like a little girl movie moment that that was like fun for me. Um, but yeah. yeah, it was it was at its best when it was being extremely terrible. And most of the time it was just being like, you know, minorly terrible. And yeah, was most of it was very bland. It was very average. Yeah, especially the whole first half. Everything preceding that Cruella monologue that she gives was like really... I don't know, contemptuously boring. And then everything mm-hmm. after it was pretty like screwball and fun. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the IMDB lists the, uh, younger characters ages as, uh, 12 years old for Horace Jasper and Estella. Wow. And the, uh, I thought they were much younger. <laughs> they were small. What's, what's funny is they explicitly say in the film, 10 years had passed and then they all turn into like 30 year olds. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) Horace and Jasper, especially. I'm like, you're not, you're not in your yeah, no, (laughs) early twenties. It's not a 22 year old. Ten years later, okay, why not just say 20 years later? That's weird. Yeah, it would be so easy to just say that. Kids movie. Why not just have them be kids? The Corella's origin story as a as a kid. She could just be a kid the whole time and kill Emma Thompson. That would be more interesting. Yeah, like Matilda or something. I don't know, like the inverse of Matilda. Yeah. Fucking girl Joker would be so much more interesting in that way. Yeah. <laughs> they could figure it out. It's just like a CGI. <laughs> Home Alone thing. <laughs> CGI and accent. Yeah, CGI her her creepy uh, socialite accent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What's really funny is is after rewatching the uh, 90s Dalmatians film, a lot of the same elements that we heavily criticized for this generation of Disney remakes were found in those in, in that film as well. They just weren't as spammed. Like there, there weren't as many of them. It wasn't like this huge right. trend yeah. that they were capitalizing on. So it was like, oh, sure. I guess not that big of an issue. But like, maybe it the, wasn't yeah. as forced. Like it just no. It, it was definitely natural. forced. It was definitely okay. for, the '90s movie was definitely. For, and and they, there were so many '90s in in the same way that this is a very current generation of film thing to just spam the thing with uh, spam the film with previously existing soundtrack music licensed songs, right? In the same way that that was a thing in the '90s movie, it was very heavily spammed with cheesy '90s like Home Alone style orchestral score. Right, like that mm-hmm. was just oh, and like that dun 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 dun. That was in like every kid's movie whenever funny <laughs> mm-hmm. mischief yeah, was whole, happening. The and they yeah, and, yeah. and they kind of um, <laughs> they kind of just turned the Dalmatians ninety movie into Home Alone. Also, like with Horace and Jasper, the puppies were like pranking them and like setting up oh, traps yeah. and stuff. Everything like, other wow. than Cruella in that one is like unwatchable, dumb yeah. slapstick. I don't know. Did you guys like it as kids? I. Couldn't even tell I you. I I definitely <laughs> watched it when I was younger, but I I couldn't. I don't even. Yeah. I I don't remember what emotional reaction I had to it, if any. <laughs> I have no connection to it. I remember not being charmed by it, but I also was like scared of dogs when I was a kid. So oh. like I had never had a dog. I oh. thought they were like loud and scary. <laughs> so it, its charms didn't work on me. I wasn't like oh mm. so many puppies. I just was like oh this is kind of a dumb movie. Yeah, <laughs> it was kind of dumb. <laughs> All right. Um, do we have anything else about this film that we are eager to uh, complain about, or should we wrap this up and get on to the Sadly, next? Sadly, uh, no. I'm not eager about anything in this movie. No, it's joyless. Yeah, maybe man. that's maybe that's everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's that's one of my complaints. It's just average. What would you rate the film if you want to give a rating? You don't have to. I would give it a two out of ten. Wow, that's so low. 
Um, I, I would fair. give it like a four out of ten, <laughs> I guess. It depends. Are we talking about just like how fun was it to watch, or like it's whatever what your quality? rating system yeah. wants to be? Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna give it a four out of ten. There you go. It gets yeah. those points for being kind of fun to watch sometimes, but it was very mm. bad. Yeah, it's not really for me, so I'll give it like a five out of ten. Wow. Yeah, but it's really just average. I think that's like the worst thing you can give it, though. It's just in the middle. Yeah. 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 It didn't like. There was nothing horrible about it. Really? I, I thought it was pretty horrible. <laughs> I thought Harley Quinn was horrible. Like Suicide Squad is horrible. If I'm rating it off my like enjoyment, it, it's it's genuinely like a half star. Like, I was I was bored to tears. Oh my gosh. Like I I I go. purposefully my whole life avoided these live action Disney movies like Maleficent and everything. I don't know if this is bad as those. Like, you know, they yeah, did, I didn't like, even see those. I don't Cinderella, know. Cinderella, Maleficent. I avoided them for a reason. And I mean, oh, yeah, I like saw Ralph them all. Said, it's not for I've me. seen all of it. Is this like worse than those or is it kind of in line? Um, I guess the second Maleficent was worse than this. That was probably the worst one they've ever done. Oh, the they first did a Maleficent second was one? okay. Oh yeah, the second one was so bad. Ah, uh, just unwatchable. There's nothing about it that's like worth seeing ever. Avoid it at all costs. I did not even know there was a second one. Yeah, I, I did not. Well, you <laughs> just, should stay that I, way. To me, so it bad. just comes down to the the fact that they felt the need and thought it was a good idea to explain why Cruella hates Dalmatians. When but it's, they didn't. Like, literally baked into the <laughs> character design. It was more like uh, they didn't it even was like a, Here's it. the real story. <laughs> I think <laughs> it was meant to imply that like yeah, what we thought we knew. It's like wicked. It's like what we thought we knew about Cruella was wrong all along. It's just wicked for yeah. Cruella. Yeah. Another parallel to the Venom movie is creating a villain story where they're not actually a villain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, I just mean the whole way the Dalmatians were implemented into the story, like, and then having the multiple twists with like the Darth Vader father thing. I couldn't actually believe it. It was getting comical. I'm just gonna keep it a half star. Why didn't we talk about Spiral? We could have done a Saw episode. That would have been great. Yeah, that now that I had a good time with. I love Saw. I'm obsessed with Saw. I still haven't seen Spiral. Yeah, I love the song. Oh, so what? I, I gotta see it. Yeah. I want to see it again. Okay, okay, well, you see in Cruella and a bunch of Disney crap. Like without Luca. delving into it, what did you think of, <laughs> you saw of uh, Spiral? What, what, what's your, yeah, what's your uh, yeah. um, brief thoughts? Experience? I really, really enjoyed it, but it like wasn't like good. I don't know. It was better than <laughs> the majority of Saw, but that's a really low bar to clear. Mm. Um, once you get to like those latter Saws. Uh, the thing that was weakest about it and unfortunately left like a big impression was like the final scene which didn't have a clever twist, yeah. like didn't no really mean anything. Yeah. yeah, I won't spoil it. But it, it just, uh, the, you know, usually at least the ending scene will leave you with some kind of like strong feeling about what you've seen. But um, it was very bombastic, but very hollow, which was disappointing because it seemed like they were trying to form a movie with some kind of meaning. So, uh, mm. but I, I overall liked it. I really liked Chris Rock's character. Mm. He was probably the most sure. empathetic character that's ever been in a Saw film. And uh, I'm glad they're making Saw again. I hope they keep making more. I don't know if this will be it. It didn't really make much money, I don't think. <laughs> I don't know. I don't I think so. Yeah, I don't think it was marketed very Rock. well. I heard Chris Rock was Yeah, great, he was great so, in it. Yeah. yeah. Really? What about That's, you, Alex? <laughs> that makes me want to see it. I was having fun, like, laughing at it. I had a great time, like, just with how great. ridiculous it is and just how 
bad their choices are. Um, <laughs> I, I I feel like I'd have to delve into like proper spoilers to get into. Yeah, like, my yeah. Okay. yeah. that's the next thing. Episode. I really don't want you to spoil it. Like I'm actually really looking forward Ralph, to this. You, Ralph, you want to watch it before next episode? We'll have a little discussion. Yeah, yeah. I'll definitely okay, watch great. it soon. Yeah, yeah I'm really looking forward. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I'm glad you enjoyed it, Jenny. I I could not. <laughs> I could. I. <laughs> I you hated I, I, it. I, I, well, how do you I feel about Saw? Fiery, I love Saw, but I. I don't have like this. Which um, Which Saws do you love? I love one. What are your top three? And six okay. are my favorites. So that should give was you a little six, insight that was into. The one before yeah. was six Saw three D or was seven, uh, seven was three D. Is yeah. that the health insurance one? Yeah, the health insurance <laughs> yeah, one. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, the, that's the merry-go-round one, and the yeah. you're a uh, smoker. That's so a great one. <laughs> you're, uh, is that the one with the couple so that funny. like what the girls cheating and they have the two guys have to like fight outside of a that's mall? Seven. No, that's seven. No, that's, that's seven. Yeah. That's, that's seven. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the same director. Saw six and seven are a little similar. I know a lot of people hate seven. Yeah. I love six and to some extent seven, but more six because it's very. You don't like Saw two. I think Saw Two is my least favorite. No, not no, not not with uh, Spiral and Jigsaw. Those two are my <laughs> least favorite of the original what? seven. Saw Two would be my least favorite. Yeah, it used to be some- when I was um, going through the films like completely unironically when I was younger. I really enjoyed Saw Two mm-hmm. and Saw Three. Like I could, ju- I would just eat it all. Yeah. Up. But my current experience with Saw, the only one that I enjoy truly unironically in a way where I'm like taking the majority of it seriously is saw one the rest of them i'm just looking for some dumb yeah. stupid fun <laughs> you know i'm i'm sure part yeah. of part of the There's experience of enjoyment for style. me is to make fun of it at the same time and i'm able to do that mm-hmm. a lot with yeah. six and okay. seven and it's also okay. very fan servicey so it's like it's yeah. it's walking yeah. the line between like trash and like actually delivering on like what people want out of a saw film right it's it's doing yeah. both okay. simultaneously yeah. but, and but, it's just I think part of what I want in a soft film is Tobin Bell. I think two and three. Yeah. Actually three has a yes. lot of Tobin yes. Bell. I was Big so time. mad that they didn't bring him yeah. in. And I know yeah. it wouldn't make sense, but like it hasn't made sense for a long time and that hasn't stopped them. So I just yeah, feel like he should be in every matter? film. <laughs> One is a little more genuinely good, so it didn't need as much Tobin Bell. Not that it's like a good movie because it's still mm-hmm. like the Holly and like, you know, that shit. But it's Hallie. still like yeah like that was all i love the first one i just rewatched it like recently and the editing is so funny like the car chase (laughs) where they're just driving through fog really fast at the camera (laughs) kevin gruder it's so good it's iconic but that's that's the voice of the saw franchise is the editing it really is and yeah yeah Yeah, it is it's hilarious and stupid and and weird but it legitimately is the like voice all the jittery of the cuts, the transitions where like a character walks into the set from the next shot. Every single saw film, except Spiral, was ev- edited by Kevin Grudert. Aside oh, from Six wow. and Seven, which he directed, uh, so he was very much the yeah. voice of the franchise. And in Saw Spiral, yeah. looking at the editing in that film, it's like somebody thought that they could do what oh, the yeah. saw it felt very like the different. editing was so much worse in saw spiral i don't know if you agree or not but it didn't like, even feel like they were trying to do a saw thing it just it felt so like they weird. were editing like a real movie which was kind of sad because i like that the other saw movies don't feel like real movies <laughs> they feel like yeah. weird student films i gotta see this now mm-hmm. yeah yeah so we'll much. have a more in-depth <laughs> yeah. discussion about okay. this next episode but yeah but i really want to do a video ranking all the saw like Please rewatching do. them and ranking them yeah. all yeah. after i do my barbie video where i rank all the barbie movies yeah i wanted to ask like a tier list of some theme park rides maybe just disney because i was like um, doing which that. park uh hmm. i don't know they're they're all pre- magic kingdom i guess or epcot what are your hot takes 
<laughs> hot takes. Well, like S tier rides in Magic Kingdom, uh, like Big Thunder Mountain, Space okay. Mountain, right? Uh, uh-huh. Haunted Mansion, just because of the atmosphere. Like that's just right. kind of what I would say, right? So like, what's an what about S-tier? the people mover? Do you like the people eh, mover? It's kind of boring. What? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a that's like a yes. like a B or an A. Oh my god. No, like that's Indiana an e Jones ride right there. And like Disneyland, that's an S tier. Oh yeah, that's uh, one of the best rides of all time. Like the yeah, combination of theme like and thrill, but still being like not a roller coaster. It's crazy. Yeah. Or Universal, like they have the S tier rides, uh Spider Man. Those are that's an S tier. You think that's S tier? Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Do have you ridden the Transformers version? Yeah, I like the Transformers one. There's no real fire in it though. I think that takes away. Yeah, Universal <laughs> is unique. Disney doesn't really use like heat effects and fire, yeah. and Universal, Universal uses it on scary. a lot of the rides. Mm. I wanted to do a tier list of all the Universal Orlando rides because I feel like that resort has some of the most like stratification in terms of quality. Like Disney, I feel like a lot of them are like pretty darn good. You know, maybe a couple that are bad, but Universal, it's almost like a 50 50 distribution of like the worst rides ever and like the best rides ever. I wanted to ask to you me. about the Fast and Furious ride. I just went on that. I haven't ridden it. I have to. I've ridden the California tram has like an iteration of it where you go through a tunnel and get like a truncated version of the ride. But I haven't ridden the Orlando version, which is probably much funnier to see it contextualized as though it's like its own ride when it like firmly isn't. So, uh, yeah, I want to I want to ride that. I need to just Mm -hmm. go and ride all of it. Mm. But yeah, um, have you ridden the Men out. in Black ride there? They like there? dance before the ride. Like you see them dancing. Yeah, I heard that they, they like show really you the funny. car. You have a dance party. <laughs> the ride isn't that good though. Like I miss Earthquake. That's what used to be there. Mm. It's just like a oh, ride I never got to see subway. that. It was so cool. That's an S tier ride, but it's gone now. They got rid of that. So they did you go there a lot as a kid? Yeah, I, I went there instead of Disney. I liked it much more. <laughs> did you ride Confrontation when it still That existed? I didn't get to go on. That was gone by the time I was there. It was oh, replaced that, with the That mummy, would be like my ultimate. That sounded like such a cool ride. That sounded really cool. My dad tells me about it. What is it? I never got to go and on. And what about the Jaws ride? Did you ever go the on The Jaws that? ride I went on. That was great. I told oh. my brother that was just a boat ride. He got the shit scared <laughs> out of him. It was, it was a shark. No. <laughs> but the, the King Kong ride, it's just like you're on a tram and then King Kong, like an animatronic giant gorilla comes out and just like shakes the I've ridden the, the new one <laughs> cool. and that one's like okay but it's gone that sounds awesome man but yeah confrontation <laughs> yeah. was it used to be on like a cable car going through a whole city set and like the giant King Kong was like inside a whole city and there was like a helicopter crash and yeah stuff. but the yeah. new one's okay and the new one's fine it's fine it's not as good yeah yeah I'm jealous of the Jaws ride though yeah did you go on that no, I never got to ride it, and now it only exists in uh, Japan. So maybe someday I'll get to ride it. Oh yeah, it, that's but right. Yeah, it looks like an incredible Japan. ride. Mm. That's a shame. Yeah, there was they built like a whole river there. I guess they just got rid of it for Harry Potter. They filled it all in. <laughs> yeah, it's Diagon right. Alley now. Yeah, yeah. that stuff's fine. I miss Jaws. Yeah, I mean their their Harry Potter rides are like pretty crazy. Like the Hagrid one's honestly one of the best rides like ever that I've ever yeah. been on. But, it usually um, malfunctions though when I go on it. It does. I waited like two <laughs> yeah, hours to ride it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, how does it malfunction? Like it's just so. It's complicated, just really complex. You know? It has like a part yeah. where it goes backwards. It has a part where it drops. Mm-hmm. A lot of animatronics. Uh, okay. So there's just a lot that can go wrong. It's a roller coaster mixed with screens and stuff. It's very complex. Yeah. Oh, and usually okay. the timing gets off. <laughs> like you know. Like the the, yeah. the, the movie would end while you're like well the Green Goblin has the screens and then the Hagrid one you're in like a forest and 
there's like a part where you vertically drop onto a new track and it's like all this insane uh, yeah. technical stuff that can break. Cool. Yeah. Theme parks are cool. That was a good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You guys, we got to plan a trip. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll have to spend more time in uh, America land. The greatest theme yeah. park of all time i don't uh, know any of these yeah, yeah Alex, we're, gonna ha- we're gonna have to get acclimatized and sometime <laughs> yes in the i want to go to dollywood yeah, that's on my yeah. list for oh, this year you haven't been um, i've been to dollywood it's no. actually a lot of fun it's very What's nice i really want to go and like pigeon forge and gatlinburg <laughs> have a lot of like kitsch stuff <laughs> that i want to do it's uh dolly parton's park oh <laughs> oh really it's in tennessee or yeah right yeah yeah, okay, yeah and there's like a great, whole little actually. boom town that sprang up around it of like kids' yeah, tourism right. it's things. It's a whole tourist stuff yeah. there. Right. I yeah, there's the like theme dining, mini golf. like dinner theater. Uh huh. Yeah, a lot of mini golf. So yeah, I, I saw go a magic show there, that. right? Because they're very oh. religious down there in Tennessee. So like right. they did the magic show and all that, but they're like, these, these are all illusions. The real magic is Jesus. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they have like gospel dinner theater. The and real stuff. illusion. <laughs> but it's just so bizarre like how they would say that like in a theater setting yeah like, in the middle well of they have to show. just claim that it's not the work of the devil yeah oh so, my goodness you, know, they, I, you can't say it's sorcery i, I loved it there i thought I, the people I, were great i've been cleaning my house for a couple of weeks and i found a uh I, I don't know if you saw i posted on my twitter um i found a vhs in my home that i guess one of my friends just left <laughs> or something and it's a uh early 90s film by peter lalonde called your child and the occult the games children play oh my and it's like God. an hour long and it's literally just like a paranoid man screaming into the microphone about how like thundercats and uh dungeons and dragons <laughs> are making children kill their parents and it's so funny and it's on you if you check my twitter uh, i retweeted a youtube somebody had a youtube link to it too but I have wow to watch that. oh it's so good sure. review it if you want to i'm not yeah. going to so <laughs> you should. You should review it. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we have a movie recommendation. I recommended it. We all watched it. Spoilers for Drag Me to Hell 2009 Sam Raimi film uh, starring Allison Lohman and Justin Long. And uh, it's mm. about a main character who uh, is... <laughs> who I guess does loans for the bank if she doesn't approve the loan of Mrs. Ganoush. And I know that they say um, there's like a, a cult- cultural name that they give Mrs. Ganoush, but I think that that's a slur, so I'm going to avoid it and say Mrs. Ganoush right. because not a... <laughs> yeah, oh, right, apparently yeah. that's a slur, and I don't... I, so yeah. Mrs. Ganoush. Yeah, it's fraught. I mean, honestly, Apparently. though, if, if we're going to play that game, the whole movie is very questionable in that mm. territory. <laughs> you oh, <know>? yeah. <laughs> as far as trading in stereotypes and all that. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it is done with a heavy layer of comedy and irony that, you know, it is. I, I think I think it's it's still fun and entertaining and enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Anyway, she gets cursed. And uh, the film continues on from there. And just her boyfriend, Justin Long, is, I believe, a uh, psychology professor. So he's questioning the yeah. validity of uh, all of these supernatural occurrences and what's in her mind. What did everybody think? Starting with uh, Jenny, I'm curious. Um, I, I think it's good. I just rewatched it yesterday. I had seen it when it came out, but uh, there was a lot of stuff I didn't remember. Mm. And uh, I mean, I just really like Sam Raimi, so I'm kind of biased, but awesome. 
I like how like campy all of his stuff is. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, it did feel weirder. I feel like the, the year it was made was like a different time as far as all the stuff about, uh, the Romani woman, Mrs. Ganush. Mm. Um, the, the way that she's characterized, especially the funeral scene, I was like, this does feel a little caricaturish. <laughs> um, yeah, but I don't know. Like it, it clearly was like also a lot of commentary on like class divides and things. So it felt like it was probably, uh, woke of its time. <laughs> it just yeah. aged poorly. Mm. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. I, I enjoyed sure. it. I like the character Miss Ganoush. She was good. I don't I don't recognize that actress, but she was very like good. Mm-hmm. She's apparently been in other things, but yeah, there's a lot of gross out humor with her, and I think it's really good. I'm gonna look her up right now. I, I was kind of grossed out by She's that. Very right. That was it's the main thing I remembered. Sometimes. I was like, <laughs> yeah, usually I'll, when I watch a movie, it'll be like when I sit down for like lunch or dinner, I'll put something on. And I specifically remembered that I should not do that with this movie because I remembered it had <laughs> yeah. a lot of like yeah. bile and slime. Yeah. Like just the foley out. when she's yeah, on like screen. Like the, her whole first scene is just like endless oh, yeah. slime sound effects from the foley department of like. Yeah. It's like, yeah. okay, this is yeah. gross. It, it, it was a little dehumanizing to her, maybe, but I think that that was almost like the fairy tale aspect of it is like, mm. yeah. you know, almost Beauty and the Beast, like a test of characters, like she's meant to be off putting. And that's why, like, it's it proves your moral metal as to whether you're going to be kind to her or not, because mm. she is like physically ugly, but you're supposed uh-huh. to take sympathy on her. Yeah. What about and you? It's so over the top. It's like a cartoon at points. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm the same. <laughs> I mean, I really enjoy Sam Raimi's style and it. It just feels like he really wanted to make this movie and had learned a lot after making the Evil Dead movies and the Spider-Man trilogy. Mm-hmm. Right. I guess this was what he followed Spider-Man 3 with. And yeah. Yeah, it just feels like he's having so much fun and he's he's at the top of his game making <laughs> this kind of schlock just the best it can he possibly be. Yeah. This, this was a return to form for him. Really? I So, like, people loved this movie when it mm-hmm. came out. They're like, yeah, Sam Raimi's back. With there were a lot of people that really didn't like it. There, I, I think sure. you'll notice really if you go to the IMDb. I really understand the tone of it, though. Um, yeah, the tone can be really confusing for some did, people. Did the people that hated it, were they like teenagers that were like, this isn't paranormal activity? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it made like money. Audience, I, right. I feel like it was it probably like dumb teenagers. The comedic <laughs> elements are kind of it. like tongue-in-cheek, right? So right. I could imagine a, yeah. a person yeah, watching... Thought, this is stupid. Well, because there's a lot of yeah, like gross-out so. elements, right? Where it's like she's like gumming her face or like, yeah. you know, hawking a loogie. Into no, the, oh, no, I, I, I think it is primarily like, you know, teenagers that thought they were going to go see, you know, a Saw movie or like Hostel mm-hmm. or something. And they were like, this is dumb. It's yeah. too silly. It's not scary. Mm-hmm. And they like didn't it is understand a that, that was the point. It is a PG-13 as well, which is oh, weird. Oh, yeah, that couldn't have helped. Oh, is it? Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is. Because there's, what? you know, significantly like there's a lot of blood, you know, like there's parts. That's crazy. Because <laughs> like, yeah, there are two versions yeah. of the movie, right? Yeah, there's, there's an unrated version. Sure. That's I don't think so there's weird. Much of a difference, huh. though. That's hilarious. I guess they were trying not to get an R rating. Yeah, like wow. I think the anvil <laughs> part is in the original cut, like you know, which it falls on her head and her eyes Ding. pop out. Like it's so absurd. <laughs> yeah. But I think that was in the other one too. And there's like yeah. a lot of moments like that where it's clearly supposed to be funny huh. and campy, and it's going crazy. for that Evil Dead Two vibe. Um, but yeah. I think the yeah. scares are very creative. I think it's a very creative mm-hmm. movie with how it scares you because it's not R. People aren't just dying all the time. It's a little more creative mm-hmm. than that. It doesn't have any deaths, I guess, except the end. Yeah, but and, you, you know, Mrs. you know Ganesh. what though? Like, it depends on how we're going to define death right because I, I mean like yeah I, I guess it is well there's the, the character dying killed. that was awesome like it was so gruesome mm-hmm. like holy shit and and you really but, got a yeah. sense we, of how scared we start she off was, the film with like know? a child death the the little yeah, boy dies too. at the beginning of the movie and yeah. suffers yeah you know 
It's like, that's pretty brutal. I'm surprised this is yeah. like PG-13. But it wasn't relying on like slasher tropes, you know? Because like most of the scares were like, oh, the, the curtains have blown the windows open. Like it wasn't just relying on like her having a gaggle of friends who can mm. all get picked off by demons True. or whatever, which is like, yeah. if it was made today, it would be like the Babadook or not the Babadook, um, the Bye Bye Man. Yeah. <laughs> the back version yes. of the Babadook. Um, you know, where it's just the like a, a gang of like 10 dumb children. And then, you know, you follow each of them to their house where they are stalked and then killed by a monster. Yeah. It's like CGI. The, char- the characters themselves don't matter as much in those films whereas like this is right. yeah a movie and then this one she was like very characterized yeah this is a character yeah, it's like they movie. tell you her whole backstory you learn a lot about her and like what drives her and i feel like mm-hmm. not a lot of horror movies bother to do that mm-hmm. I, I i wanted to mention this at some point uh we kind of mentioned just how how many gross out elements there were lots of vomiting lots of <laughs> her hair being pulled out i love that i, there, I love there's, the hair pulling <laughs> there's a deeper reason why these things are in the film and i i'm going to ask if anybody else knows about it but this this movie is very metaphorical for a type of condition and if nobody if nobody wants to jump in i'll just no, explain it i have no idea what you're saying no, <laughs> okay so this, this... I, I feel like i can guess but i i want to know what your what your take is i don't want to just blind guess without thinking it all through uh this film is basically... Is it an eating disorder yes, allegory? Yes, you got it. Yeah. <laughs> because so, of her weight problems yeah. and the hair yeah, falling out. They're constantly and the... flashing yeah, back to that? her being like fat like and all of the... Uh, you were, you were mm-hmm. a fat girl, weren't you? Blah, blah, blah. Like they're constantly reinforcing that. Almost every single haunting involves, you know, you mm. know she shoves a fist down her throat and like, yeah. you know, and the, teeth uh, and the, the gumming. The horror cake. And, yeah. All of these symptoms of bulimia or anorexia, like just in general eating disorder. Interesting. She stabs you know, the, really yeah. think the, about the eye really, demon yeah. coming yeah. out of the mm-hmm. cake and everything. It's like a lot of it is just so heavily. Well, and also that whole scene, like everyone else is eating the cake undeterred and she's the one that's like sitting there not mm-hmm. eating it and really exactly. put off by it. Cool. So it's that yeah. kind of no, visceral. She goes to the like, diner and they're like, are you just going to drink coffee all night? You know? She... Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I, I, I took it as something different. I took it as like I thought it was about predatory bank loans. <laughs> I mean, like how, there, you know, you banking have... inspires people to be kind it's of sociopaths. It's also about that. Well, it is kind of about that's that, the too. Text. There's just like a lot of things going on in it that are yeah. very interesting. Yeah, you're right. It's not just like dumb. There's a lot going on. It's, and it's very funny. That's what really hammers it home. Like, it's just mm-hmm. a very entertaining film from start to end. Lots of yeah. great scenes. I really like Justin Long's character, too. I thought he was really funny. He could have been really annoying. But for the most part, I thought he was just kind of played the ignorant boyfriend quite well. Mm-hmm. I can't think of a movie I, I, I like him more in, honestly. Yeah, I can't think of either. Mm-hmm. And I love the ending of this movie, no. and I love his reaction. <laughs> like, his character's, like, turmoil of watching his girlfriend get dragged into yeah. hell. Like, I believe awesome. his performance like, that's in that That's a great ending. That's, like, one of the most that's convincing awesome That's a good twist. And it's yeah. also good that, like, they, they spell out that she has not learned her lesson at the end, even then, because... You know, she she's she's just cursed this woman's soul to hell. Like she thinks she deserves it, and yet mm-hmm. at the end, she's like, "Well, honestly, I could have helped her with the loan, but now everything's yeah. fine." So it's right. like there's no like contrition on her part. Like she's mm-hmm. just happy that she's no longer like mm-hmm. burdened by the curse. So she still is like deserving of her fate in a way. It didn't just right. feel like purely a mean spirited twist. Mm-hmm. Everyone is deserving of their fate in the movie. It's perfect. Like even Justin Long, just not even taking the situation seriously. Like. 
And then at the end, he sees his girlfriend get dragged to hell. He's like, what the fuck? That's great. That's yeah, and also, like, he didn't back her up with his family that no, much. You no, know, he, he, yeah. he yeah. abandoned a, a, her with his mean yeah, mom. He's kind of a loser, too. <laughs> yeah, and he had, like, the casual privilege thing where it was just, like, you know, he yeah. grew up a rich kid, and he was constantly like, oh, we'll go to my family's little cabin, and, like, it's all extremely uh-huh. intimidating. I, I was laughing during the scene with his, he was on the phone with his mom, and his mom's like, you could have married this other girl that went to Yale. And so, like, I was laughing during mm-hmm. that part. Like, who even cares? Like, why would she even care about this? Like, her, Oh, yeah. His it's, mom thinks of it's her. It's so outrageous. Uh, but it's set up for later. It is. It's very, it's a very over-the-top movie, yeah. So I forgave it. It's and it's set up for later. It's classism thing, too. Yeah. Well, and it's also the I mean the point is like her hearing it too cuz then it's her inadequacy. I mean, everything yeah. is like her inadequacy mm-hmm. and trying to very to self-conscious. Fit in. So. Sure. So that's why that is good with the eating disorder thing. I guess like as soon as you said it it was like, "Oh, yeah, of course." But I hadn't yeah, thought yeah. of that when I watched it. Yeah, because horror movies, especially like funny horror movies that are like really gross out and this tone, you don't really see a lot that try to tackle deeper meanings or subjects, right? Like no. It's, it's a very rare thing. You don't expect it from this genre. You expect it more from like an art house drama or something, you know? So mm-hmm. There's actually so much going on in it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's all weaved together really well. It yeah. balances the tone extremely well. Like, sure. I wasn't expecting that whole, you know, the fly, the CG fly going inside her and hearing it inside <laughs> her stomach or whatever. Oh, that yeah. That being like a whole setup later on for the the cake and her mother spitting it out because she thinks she's like a farm girl yeah. and it all like yeah. comes back in on itself at that point as there's lots of cleverness hidden in the movie like that mm-hmm. which yeah i wasn't expecting because mm-hmm. i had memories from watching it the first time too and it not really connecting but it was a long time ago now 2009 um mm-hmm. yeah i liked it a lot this yeah. time awesome i don't think i got it the first yeah, it had time a lot of i saw when it came out yeah I, d- I definitely missed it yeah, I, I liked it, but I thought it was way too goofy. And I guess something that even bothers <laughs> really? me now is um some of the CGI. I think some of that takes me out of it. I get it's campy, Tiny but it's yeah. kind of an excuse. I like the eyes popping out and stuff? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a mm-hmm. little bit of top. I love the car fight. I think when they're fighting in the car, yeah. that was like oh, an excellent, such a good scene. <laughs> like, and the perfect. music that goes along yeah. with it. Yeah, let's not forget about the score. The music is great in this Excellent. film. That whole scene's great. That's like the first like escalation into mm. like full camp that you get yeah, in the movie. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's just funny because it just keeps escalating more and more. Like it starts a little silly and then it's like she's crashing into one car. She's crashing into another yeah. car. They're like busting out the windows and it just keeps yeah. like getting more and more insane. It keeps going and going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel so starved for really good camp because there's a lot of campy movies yeah. That kind of use that as like an excuse not to do anything impressive, right? They're like, oh, it's campy, so we yeah. don't actually have to try yeah. with the acting or the character writing, and it's just like a band. Or the story. But I like a anything. movie that's campy yeah, and, and it's like competent that. at the same time. And Sam Raimi is so good at that. I wish he would yeah. direct more of these. It's because it's Sam Raimi. Like yeah. that scene yeah. is so visceral. It's so exciting and like scary. There's a lot of moments like that in this movie. We and understand tension and how to build yeah. up. He understands how to tell a story. Yeah, yeah. He understands the the filmmaking elements that make it all come together because, yeah. yeah, it's not scary, but at the same time, the way it's presented and the way the tension is built up can kind of catch you up in the moment. Like, mm-hmm. it really gets exactly. engaged. It's, right. it's so cartoonish and, like, yeah. exaggerated. No, it may be over the top, but at least it's memorable and you, mm-hmm. you're excited by it. Yeah. And there are those moments where you're actually into it. Like, yeah, this is kind of scary if you're into this character and this mm-hmm. world. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're kind of torn the whole time. It's like, on one hand, you're rooting for her. On the other hand, you're like, I don't know. Like, her motivations. <laughs> yeah. I just, I wanted to see Stu suffer a little bit. 
being perfectly honest. Still, I was, well, I was mad fired at, Stu. at the end, but yeah, I know. Yeah, I wanted to see him come up. I wanted to see. I, 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 I think to that's see the something. thing. Is like, yeah, everyone's rooting for him to get the button. Yeah, because he's not. He doesn't. He doesn't. It doesn't matter if he gets fired. He'll find some other people to take advantage of in his life. You know, he's gonna cry and pretend mm-hmm. he's yeah. sorry for. You know, that character's not done being a complete <laughs> asshole. So. Yeah, the fact that he like cried to her and yeah. she let him go, I was and like, he don't still believe tried it. to blame it on her, don't was crazy. It. Was so mad. Yeah, I took it as he's so pathetic; he could never accomplish anything. Like, you know, yeah. like, he's just done. Like, he's just such a loser; he couldn't even like mm-hmm. do anything. Uh, but yeah, every character gets their kind of like a great ending. You know, like it's just a natural comeuppance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, in terms of the writing, when everybody saw this for their first time. Nobody saw the twist coming. Is that a correct assumption? I can't really I, I think remember. that I didn't, although it's yeah. hard to remember my first watch. I'm happy that I didn't see it coming. Oh, that's cool. I, it, as soon as she drops the envelope, though, you're like, oh, there's going to be a switcheroo. Yeah, yeah why else would but she I drop didn't know it, what and the they have the separate was. shot of it falling. Because mm-hmm. they make it, they they make it so that you're not confident about it. But yeah, because they work in his coin habit early, mm-hmm. and then kind of like mm-hmm. you know let enough yeah. time pass that you might forget they about it. They do it really well. It's really yeah. well written. Yeah. I think yeah. even if you yeah, see it coming, it doesn't matter. It's not just a case of it being like super early in the film, but the way that the scene is structured around it, it's in the middle of introducing character development, basically. So there, Alison Lohman, her job, her farm, blah, 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 blah. She works with money, Justin Long, nerdy. And then immediately before you can even think about the nerdy coin collection and you, you know, that serves its purpose as being a character moment. And then immediately we're distracted by the speakerphone conversation with his mother. So it's, it's. Yeah. tucked in there it's <laughs> this a lot not of something you missed yeah they didn't do like a whole <laughs> close-up hey everybody notice how i put this in this bag and this is what it looks like like there was a tiny shot of him putting it in the envelope but aside from that it didn't really feel like the film was ever begging you like please remember this it was just like oh this is there yeah you know it's there mm-hmm. and, and it didn't we're feel out of place like it was because everyone was thing, kind yeah. of getting quirks yeah. 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 So you kind of believed in the moment, like this is just a character quirk because yeah. he was doing it with other characters. He called himself Whereas nerdy. in another film, if like no other characters get traits or like quirks or whatever, it would stand mm-hmm. out more. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I, it works well. I don't know. The, the distraction's a good word. There's a lot of jump scares in the movie mm-hmm. <laughs> that are kind yeah, of cheap. How you feel about those? There, there's a couple that I don't like, and there's a couple that I do like. There's some that are just I don't so like funny, any of them, like because the I just don't naturally like the... jump scares. I think they're lazy. <laughs> I like Midsummer, where there's no jump scares or yeah. something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's just lazy. Like the sound mixing was obnoxious. I don't know. I don't know if I would say all of them are lazy. And I get it's because it's PG-13. It had to compensate. I just hate jump scares. I just think it's mm-hmm. so cheap. You know, uh, mm-hmm. that that would be my one of my complaints or sure. criticisms with the movie. Yeah, like I just wouldn't watch it again. Just because I don't want it. It's just fucking loud. Like, <laughs> I'm going to annoy my neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's a very loud movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I f- I f- the, the whole movie is done so in such, such a tongue-in-cheek way that, sure, it's not like a specifically yeah, direct commentary a on jump scares, but it, you know, it mm-hmm. almost could be you know i don't sort feel of, upset yeah. at it but know? that's not as clear like i feel like there's so many other like the banking allegory or like even you pointing out the kind of bulimia subtext like that was all like eye-opening 
Mm. Like, I totally see mm. that in the movie. That, not so much. I don't know. No, because, I mean, like, there's some that are clearly done for laughs, though. Like, the handkerchief yeah, coming to absolutely. the car. Yeah. Like, it's definitely popping up on her windshield. Yeah. Right? I just mean the comedy elements. Like, I, I don't know. I like a movie like Evil Dead or Evil Dead 2 mm-hmm. much more because I think I really like Bruce Campbell. And I think I like the lead. And this yep. lead character, I don't, I don't think the actor is as good or as mm-hmm. like iconic as someone like Bruce Campbell. And I think that she was, it down. She had some things like, at the time. I think part of it is like imagine the way that Ash is written versus this character. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's a much more grounded yeah, character. Yeah, very different. Like I can't yeah. think of a different performance she could have given with this like script that would have been, you know, more of a standout thing. Because she was mostly yeah. like the straight man with a lot of weird stuff that was happening. Mm-hmm. Well, there's some funny parts with her. I thought the scene where she's eating like ice cream, like because she's so upset. Cause yeah, she's and, and when stuff. she's uh, like, her, yeah, her she gets a little crazier like, like, toward the fun. end. Yeah, she gets crazier, yeah. and then you know when she gloats after the car fight, <laughs> that had like yeah. a lot of. We're at the end when she it. shoves the the paper down her throat, like in the, in the yeah. cemetery. Yeah, yeah. There's a it's oh, definitely so a campy horror film. Sequence. There's so many like it's definitely <laughs> choke on it, being bitch. Campy. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, like so yeah or the goat. The goat was oh, iconic. Yeah. As soon as you see the goat, you're like, okay, <laughs> it's a, a Sam Raimi yeah. movie. This goat is gonna like become a you puppet at some me, point. Black that was great. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> well, the goat. That scene becomes very like funny toward the end because the goat isn't sacrificed. It has like a human like face that gets <laughs> angry. <it>. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. at the beginning, I thought that scene was actually pretty like intense and scary. Like they're gonna sacrifice this goat. Like this is really kind of like midsummer like scary. Yeah, stuff. and they tie it up next to her, and it's like smiling. At it's her smiling like, oh, yeah no, it's kind of foreboding it's funny but it's mm-hmm. scary it, it works really well and i love that set that yeah. they're in when they have oh some sand. great sets. i think that's an excellent yeah it was set. almost like the winchester mystery house the exterior yeah, but of it's that so house. Ex- it's so big and like i, I love the uh, um, so much stuff stunts as well yeah uh-huh excellent stunts oh yeah the demon is like crazy like it doesn't even like it's just like possessing three different people and throwing people around mm-hmm. <laughs> like it doesn't care it's a very scary Lamia. demon <laughs> it's just it's campy but i don't know there's like nothing you can do to stop it surprising amount of restraint though in the way it's often relegated to shadows and things so like when it's the shadow of its legs yeah. turns into mm-hmm. you know hands it's just cre- it's yeah. constantly creative and it's always mixing it up to avoid that mm-hmm. repetition movies yeah. of this type can often fall into mm-hmm. yeah it's it's essentially Absolutely. showing a lot of things that might have been in evil dead if it was created in 2009 you know with the same yeah. budget and restraints mm-hmm. it's like a 2000s version of evil dead right it's very it really much is, like yeah. ring like the ring will be seven days until you die this is like yeah, three kinda. days until mm-hmm. you die there's like a countdown mm-hmm. element. You have to, I don't know, stop the demon before it takes over your soul or something. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. there's always I mean, I feel like, like the era cool. came out. Like, I remember when it came out being really excited about it because I feel like in this era of horror movies, like horror definitely goes in cycles as to like what yeah. kind of creature Trends. or like genre is in vogue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so right now it's more like conjuring and like yeah. a lot of uh, indie witch horror that's like, you know, kind of ghosts, uh, copying hereditary and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. All those yeah, like right. uh, <laughs> knockoffs. But um, yeah, I feel like in that era of horror, it was a lot more grounded. It was a lot more like Saw and Slasher. And like, I think like My Bloody Valentine was around this time too. So mm-hmm. it's a lot of just like gore and violence mm. like the hostile era the human centipede they, yeah they were hitting like just the end so of i feel that like era. it was kind of a time with like yeah it was like kind of a dearth of just a spooky supernatural horror mm. with like curses and stuff so yeah. i i've always preferred that kind of horror so i was like you know it's it's refreshing to see that when it's so counter to what was coming yeah. out at that time i feel like if it came out now it would 
everyone would assume it was like a parody of the Conjuring franchise. But at yeah, that time, it was like right. not really like anything <laughs> that was like coming out. <laughs> yeah, this this came yeah. out just as yeah. the found footage wave was starting. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. I loved the found footage wave. Sure. So many like crazy movies. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, paranormal activity kind of put ghosts back in in fashion. Yeah. Before that, they were considered kind of like old timey and not that scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that really grounded ghosts made them like realistic again. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> I guess, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Added a, a level of realism to it. But this yeah. movie, the ghosts aren't realistic at all. It's just like goofy demon but yeah. people around. And I feel like that makes it better. <laughs> like so like looking at it in hindsight and being like, there were no movies like this being made at that time in the sure. horror genre. It was I just mean, kind of its own pick weird a time. Thing. <laughs> it's like Sam is one of few people doing this competently, and he doesn't do yeah. it every year. But, so. but even like the subject matter and stuff, like I feel True. like if someone that was not him was trying to get the script made that year, it just never would have happened. Yeah, um, so that yeah, kind right. of adds to its charm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of Absolutely. the same people that worked on uh, Evil Dead were credited. Uh, I believe uh, wow. Ivan yeah. Ramey, it's Rob It's really Tapper. a return to form. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if Greg Nicotero worked on Evil Dead. I think he did. It's a really good horror film. Like, especially to be, it made so much money, and like that's great. Like, it's like a mainstream horror film that made a lot of money, and it's really effective and funny and scary, and has a lot going on. I didn't know if it was that big of a success at the time. No, yeah, I'm looking it up right now. Budget of 30 million, and worldwide made 90 million. So, successful enough. Hmm. I think that's pretty not a failure. I think it's a good budget too. Like that's for 2009 too. Yeah, Yeah. I'm sure though for horror, a studio would look at that and be like, you know, you can make a paranormal activity for two million five dollars. Paranormal activity for five hundred million dollars, like ten thousand, twenty thousand dollars. Not even joking. Yeah, like that made hundred million. So of course, well, I'm sure the majority of the budget was just advertising it. Yeah, Uh so you know, I feel like it was by the power of Sam Raimi that that it was made. Yeah. Yeah. Sam Raimi's power is making a film like this. <laughs> like, yeah. that's really campy and using Please the, do the more. visual medium. Like, it's mm-hmm. a very visually strong movie. Yep. Like, there's a lot of images I remember from it. Like, the nails on the, on the oh, desk. I love, like, I love how that was revealed. Yeah. You hear it first, and then that's the first part yeah. you see of her, and then you see her face. I love that. He's a very visually strong mm-hmm. director, yeah. and that adds a lot to the movie. And, mm-hmm. like, you know, Paranormal Activity is different. Like, I get... Just watching found footage can be scary because there's no style to it, I guess, because it's more objective. But mm-hmm. this one is very too. quiet, so you can have jump yeah. scares more effectively because it's just silent. Yeah. Like it's really supposed to be funny, ultimately, I think this yeah. movie. And, and I think it works as that 100%. Mm-hmm. I've noticed an interesting uh, parallel too in that the film Sam Raimi followed uh, Drag Me to Hell Up with was a Disney prequel remake oh, what was live action thing. oh no was oh, it the Oz, Oz movie Oz the Great uh, I never watched yeah. I never watched that I saw it because I love Sam I saw it yeah mm-hmm. um, it's fun but nothing about it I saw clips of like Mila Kunis as the Wicked Witch and huh? it was like the worst thing I'd ever seen <laughs> Anne Hathaway <laughs> is like the good witch it's just yeah one of those live action that sounds Disney like it could movies. be good I just feel like Mila Kunis is like not equipped to do camp whereas I feel like Anne Hathaway you're like oh she could probably do camp in like a fun way yeah, but Mila Kunis, I, like I don't know. She's, I don't think that's her skill set. She's been in like unironic camp, like American Psycho Two, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She's unintentionally been in several several campy things. <laughs> yeah, it's a very strong movie visually. Because mm-hmm. Sam Raimi's a good director and storytelling wise, mm-hmm. pacing's great. 
Yeah, it didn't mm-hmm. feel like there was any part where it around. lagged or like felt like you were seeing filler. It was just constant progression and escalation. It's always a good scare somewhere. If it gets boring, someone pops out. There's a jump scare and, you know, an anvil gets <laughs> dropped on their head. <laughs> it's really unexpected. I thought those moments were kind of funny, even though I complained about the jump scares. Like, I don't know, when she's mm-hmm. in the shed and like the, the woman pops out and like starts attacking her. I did not see that coming at all. Right. It's like a really good mm-hmm. scare. Like, there's a lot of animal sacrifice in this movie. That's, like, really disturbing, I think. <laughs> I'm a vegetarian. I volunteer at the puppy yeah, shelter. That's yeah, that's one of the best lines. Her but it shows you how scared she is of this demon. Like, there's never so any funny. doubt. Like, this, this woman is terrifying. Well, and I felt like the cat thing was kind of a good, a like, continuation to, like, of... Because we had <laughs> the really characterization it. where she's at the bank. I felt like the cat was the direct continuation of that. Yeah. Like, all these points in the story where she, like, fancies herself a good person, where it's, like, she's at the bank and she's, like... I'm a nice person. I, I try to help whoever I can. But then as soon as she like needs to to benefit herself, she's willing yeah. to like essentially sacrifice this old woman by screwing yeah. her over. So then you see that again with the cat where she's like, I would never do that. I'm a nice person. And like, you know, the same night she's prepared to sacrifice the yeah, cat true. because she thinks it'll help her. Yeah. So uh, she shames, that was kind of like the recurring thing with her. She flat out lies like a lot to people like, oh, yeah, my boss told me to cancel her uh mortgage or whatever yeah, yeah she lies <laughs> to the daughter yeah, she, just flat she says out lies I, I did everything everyone. i could to help her yeah. Right. yeah and there's never any like redeeming that like she never for, she never mm-hmm. apologizes for those lies like so it is like the, the ending is perfect she actually gets it is perfect she deserves yeah. it she yeah, deserves it <laughs> there's no other way but to then say how it. do we think that ties in <laughs> with the eating disorder narrative like what does the ending then take from that you know is she supposed to be punished for that? I mean, you 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 could tie it in to think like maybe they're trying to say that an eating disorder will lead you down this path, not necessarily literally being dragged to hell, but like it will destroy your relationships. It will, you know, make you ugly. It like will... she kind of doomed herself in a yeah, way. Yeah, like it's it's That's self-harm. Crazy. I, I think that kind of idea. Because, yeah. yeah, if if we're, go- especially if we're going to say that like, she kind of brought this on herself, this whole thing. It's like, you know, it's self-inflicted. Well, yeah, she mm-hmm. did. Much like eating disorders can be. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm I don't know about the. I don't know about the subtext. <laughs> I, I see what you're trying to do. I see what yeah. you're trying to do. <laughs> it it doesn't like. I mean, and maybe those two are disconnected. In the I don't story. think the film is trying to be that deep. I think there's definitely something going on there for sure. But I think it's mostly trying to be funny with, got, with the dumb eyes popping out. I appreciate that that stuff's in there, and it's not mm. just like like dumb cotton candy kind of doesn't yeah i don't know anything. i feel like i would have to rewatch it because it's like i feel like you don't mm-hmm. seed something like that through the whole movie without it ultimately meaning something but sure i can't well, think I didn't of even what pick up on trying it. to say about yeah, it yeah i missed it completely. just because of my experience you know it, like mm-hmm. i just paid, paid attention to the banking stuff i'm like oh yeah it's like a sociopathic yeah. it made her into a sociopath and she turned down this woman's bank loan so now this woman put a hex on her that destroyed her life and it's an allegory about how yeah, like yeah. you know <laughs> capitalism or whatever <laughs> yeah it seems like if you wanted <laughs> like, to be like uncharitable to him on. you could imagine like oh maybe he's saying that like an eating disorder is like a manifestation of vanity and like that's kind of you know she buys the coat at the end she's uh <laughs> mm-hmm. constantly sure. trying to like social climb and better herself so it's like is, mm-hmm. is that what he's trying to say like she's being punished <laughs> for like vanity but then that's kind yeah. of an unfair uh take on eating disorders and like what causes them especially from sam raimi like i don't know if he has a lot of experience (laughs) yeah i kind of imagine he he can't have like that much contempt for eating disorders but yeah Mm -hmm. i mean maybe it could be about how like any form of self-harm is like 
you know, it's it's kind of a fable against self-harm behavior. I don't know. Like I said, I feel like I'd have to rewatch it through that lens and try to mm-hmm. figure out what he's trying to say. <laughs> yeah. All right. What would you give it out of 10 if you wanted to give it a rating out of 10? I'd probably give it like an 8 out of 10. Same. 8. Yeah, same. <gasps> Adam, I saw you rated it 10 out of 10. That's a very extreme rating. No, I, I gave it an 8. <laughs> oh, you did? I saw somewhere. Maybe because it was on Letterboxd, I guess. Oh. My brother told me you gave it a 10 out of 10. That's I guess because of true. campy reasons, right? Okay. No, I gave it an 8. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. <laughs> 8 out of 10. Wow. Are you gaslighting me? I don't understand what's happening. <laughs> I'm sorry. He's trying to pull receipts. <laughs> no, no, I'm just wrong because I thought you gave oh. it a 10. Okay. I, I guess it made sense because like, I totally understood why. Like the campy elements, like I love those too. I still wouldn't go 8 out of 10 though. Yeah. Because I think there's, it's not quite like Evil Dead or Evil Dead 2. Okay. And like there's a few elements like I think the lead actress, I thought she was good, but I think they could have gotten someone a little better. I don't know. Like the jump scares really bothered me. I think mm-hmm. some of the subtext with like the eating disorder, maybe it's like too much. <laughs> maybe like a, more of a seven out of 10. Sure. It's very campy fun. I really like mm-hmm. it. I think I think Evil Dead is better or like Shaolin Soccer. You know, but this different. is like a really, it's almost like, I definitely get the appeal <laughs> yeah. of it. When it came out, it was a big deal because it's a return of form of Sam Raimi making horror films again mm-hmm. with all those same people. And it's really funny and it's really well done. I don't want to take away from it. Um, sure. But yeah, more objectively, it's like a seven, I think. <laughs> like, I really think that there's some really funny parts in it though, like that car fight or like the anvil. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's a great like campy horror movie. Awesome. I'm glad we all enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks for recommending it. I'm glad no I problem. saw it. Again. Yeah, good pick. I'm glad I got to yeah. rewatch it. It's I liked it. I think a yeah, little same. bit better this time because awesome. I think I had it as a three before. Oh, I massively did. Oh yeah. wow. Yeah, I thought it was yeah, really I funny this three time. Three to four. <laughs> I was watching it with other people, and they were like really uncomfortable during some parts, like when she vomited into her napkin. All the gross like, out. Yeah, like like it was great just seeing people like they couldn't even look at the TV. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mostly like, for like gummy. gore movies and stuff. But when it comes to like bile That's... and stuff, I am really like squeamish. So <laughs> yeah. I was deliberately like, okay, I I remember enough to know the when PG-13 to look away. The PG thirteen made it like the scares are much more creative and mm. like yeah. That's like an interesting way to look at it. Vomit. Yeah. <laughs> it's gross. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, let's do some questions from the Sardonicast community. If you want to leave your own questions, head over to the subreddit where there'll be a suggestion thread where you can ask whatever you feel like. Butter467 is going to start us off. Question for Jenny Nicholson, but of course the other Sards can answer as well. Since you did a whole marathon on the Lamb Before Time movies for a video, oh, yeah. <laughs> are there any other movie franchises you want to marathon for a video like that? Yeah, a little bit about it earlier with Saw, but what else have you got on the Yeah, brain? Saw. I've already done a marathon of all, uh, I think there are 38 canonical Barbie movies, but I also watched oh, some God. from the 80s and stuff. <laughs> so I spent weeks and weeks watching every Barbie movie, and I've already like done my write-ups on all of them, but uh, now it's just a matter of uh, uh, shooting and editing this gargantuan, probably three-hour video. Yeah, um, so I've shot, I think, like 20% of it. Um, but it's going to be quite a project. And then I also have seen... Um, I had seen all of the Swan Princess sequels, but they've since made another one, so I'm behind again. But I would like to eventually <laughs> do um, a, a ranking of all of those as well, because those ones are crazy. They're very strange. Didn't even yeah. know. And I think that's it. Interesting. Barbie saw in the Swan Princess films. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a very yeah. I don't. I, I have to really saw. like a franchise or think it's interesting to do it because mm-hmm. uh, 
very labor intensive videos having to like go through all those movies for cliffs and edit them yeah. all together. When there's but so many of them. It's fun marathoning stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there were so many and some of them were rough. Like I watched the topics I was the most interested in up front. And then like by the time I got to the latter half of the list, I was like, oh, another Barbie puppy adventure. Like those are the worst <laughs> yes. ones. They just kept getting worse at a certain point. So it, it became kind of a slog. But yeah, I don't know. Watching them all in such close proximity was a very immersive experience. Well, I'm glad you survived. Aren't there like American Girl movies? Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, I could do American Girl. I don't know if every doll got a film, though. But that would be fun. I could go to the uh, American Girl Cafe that they have at yeah. the Grove. Yeah, and uh, do a little tea party. Yeah. <laughs> they sell American so Girls weird. at Walmart? Yeah, like I saw they sold some American Girl movie. It's That's the only reason I know about it. it. It's like right in the American front. Girls are some high end products. Those are like yeah, two hundred dollars. They have their dolls. own store. It's crazy. There's a surprising yeah, amount. I want to go to it. They, the store has a tea party. Yeah. There's a surprising amount of sequels for Dragonheart. <laughs> if you look at it. Oh God. <laughs> How many? <laughs> at least five, I think. I also like one year I would love to do all the um, Halloween Disney Channel original movies. Oh, wow. That's a good genre, too. Um, Rank them all. But there are a lot of those, too. And then there's a lot of stuff that's like arguably Halloween, but like maybe not Mm -hmm. Halloween. It's a fine line. How about High School Musical? uh, Have you seen those? There's only like three. I don't think I would do a video on them. There's four, I think. I had to listen to the soundtrack of that when I worked at HMV. So. Mm, Yeah, there are just three. But, um,. Yeah, I don't think the they're game. worthy of content. Yeah. 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 Those are I bad. feel like there's just not much to say about those ones, you know? Unless someone was doing like a fashion commentary or something. I, I feel like I, these uh, fashion channels could do a mm, good video yeah. about it. I yeah. am very heavily wanting to, and with my schedule, not not this year, but maybe next year, I'm very heavily wanting to do a uh, series review on Final Destination. I think I have a lot. Oh, yeah. I love the Final Destination. Movies. I feel like yeah. with those, it's like you either like those or Saw most of the time. So I was more of like a Saw kid, but I, I feel like usually people kind of pit them against each other. I loved mm. both of them. I thought they were great, yes, especially the second one. There's more than two. Second. There's they say four, both? right? There's five. There's four, yeah, there's five. Oh, you meant both there's franchises. Both franchises. Um, but I love, um, I love the second one especially. The second one is really good, and. Uh, yeah, I think that's the best one, actually. <laughs> what was the one. disaster in the fourth and fifth movie? Because didn't uh, it go plane, car bed? crash, roller coaster? <laughs> it went from oh, the wait, first the main one's disaster. airplane crash. No, but like Second the big one's catastrophe. Yeah, the one was like an escalator. Roller coaster. I think. I don't remember. An escalator? <laughs> I don't remember. The fourth one, there's two. It's a racetrack, and then there's an escalator crash or escalator. Oh, the racetrack the one was lame. Mall. I remember that one. Yeah, but then there's a mall kind of like the mall burns down or something. The escalator sounds like Oh, yeah, they're like. Gets destroyed. Yeah. I think they. But that's put the characters in, the in a movie theater. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And there was oh like a God. fire yeah, outside. And they were that's like, right. if you're watching oh. this in theaters, this could happen to you right now. Like, okay. okay, that's kind of cool. The yeah. fifth one was a bridge accident. Just to wrap oh, okay. it up. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. That was, bridge car that was a CG mess. God, it's all so hazy. I, I like that one. I like the bridge accident. The best one is the second one, the car accident. Oh, of course. Like, like seeing all the trucks like crash into each other and they fucking blow up and like fiery explosions. Car that accidents. Was the best. I like the Or like a guy one. gets a log shoved through his yeah. head like in his car. Terrifying. <laughs> it's awesome. Awesome. So good. I love that stuff. JoJo's crazy Reddit has one for us. So I've heard that Bong Joon-ho is going to be directing a South Korean animated feature film about underwater creatures, and this got me wondering, 
What film director would you guys love to see enter the world of animation? For example, I'd love to see Quentin Tarantino direct an R-rated animated film, like that sequence he did in Kill yeah, Bill Volume 1. he kind of already mm-hmm. did. I have a good answer. <laughs> Jenny, do you have any? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I feel like when I watch animated films, I'm not thinking so much about the director. Like, it, they feel like such studio productions that I don't even feel confident it would, like, impact it that much, you mm-hmm. know? I, I feel really? that way for a lot of animated films, but there are some... So, mm-hmm. like, uh, Anomalisa is very much like a one-voice thing, and, you know, Fantastic Mr. Fox mm-hmm. and Isle of Dogs is a very much Wes Anderson oh, right, yeah. thing, right? So, yeah. really depends on the director, and it also depends on how much of a grip that... Uh, or how much money goes into it, especially. It's just how much yeah, of their voice true. stays in the project. Mm-hmm. I, I mentioned this in the other episode. I'm waiting for like a really personal one voice computer animated film because I can name them for other types of animations. And when I say that, I mean feature length. So please stop recommending me short films in the audience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was only mm-hmm. thinking computer animated because I was like, that's all they're making right now, you know? I know. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess actually I'll say Ryan Johnson because I know he likes musicals and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. he's into Broadway and yeah. all that. Oh, interesting. And so I feel like okay. he would make like an interesting musical if he ever did. And mm-hmm. uh, especially if it was animated, that could be fun. So I guess that'll be my mm-hmm. answer. Okay. My answer is a little complicated, but sure. director Christopher Nolan, I think you all know him. Yeah. <laughs> he's a big fan of these guys, Brothers Quay. He's a huge fan of these animators. And they're like these twin brothers who make like animated movies together. He's clearly like inspired by that style with even his live action movies. And I think he could make a really good movie just in the style of like the Quay brothers just doing that. Just like, you know, because he's clearly inspired by it. You know, I think he directed a movie called uh, Quay. I think it's called. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that would be my answer. What about you, Alex? I, my mind jumps to very visual filmmakers like, like Edgar Wright. I think he's such an mm-hmm. he's already oh. such an animated director. Could, yeah. I feel like I could yeah. really see him doing like a CGI animated movie. He already almost storyboards like exactly like an animated movie. Exactly. Already. Yeah. So like he... Yeah. Definitely. His style, or like Sam Raimi's style, they seem very animated. Mm-hmm. Just watching Drag Me to Hell just now, the the shot True. composition, all that. It's very. It's like an anime or almost, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, very uh, yeah. cartoonish. You, you could kind of argue this. That it's already an animated film with gravity, but Alfonso Cuarón, I feel like his style basically could translate sure. quite well mm. into a again yeah. with the visual language that could be really strong yeah, if you had the right idea. Yeah, it would be very different for sure. I rewatched Requiem for a Dream a couple nights ago, and uh, I think Darren Aronofsky yeah. would probably do really well in the animated mm-hmm. genre he obviously yeah. loves anime he bought the rights to perfect blue before <laughs> creating requiem for, <laughs> really? for a dream just so he <laughs> could use the wow. top he shot likes apparently perfect blue? yeah he, he he bought the american screening rights to perfect blue so nobody could accuse him of ripping off the screaming in the tub shot <laughs> and then people accused him of that anyway so who knows how yeah that's was. right requiem for <laughs> um, a dream that's right he just he took this well, he didn't. I don't know about rip off. He's, it's all paying. I mean, homage. if he if he literally he bought the rights to, to the film, <laughs> it's not like yeah. it, it's it's not like he's pretending. Not, it's a know, soft it's, reboot. Yeah, he's yeah. done a but, remake I mean, it's of just it. like a one shot. <laughs> yes. And then yeah, there's other parallel shots to to like Black Swan and stuff. The guy obviously yeah. loves some anime. He loves some Satoshi Kon or whatever. So mm-hmm. I would love to see him tackle that and just the strong visual elements of Requiem for a Dream. Watching that again. Like this weekend, just so good. 
Like, mm-hmm. I could see that working well mm-hmm. in animation. So that's my yeah, answer. Yeah, that's a good pick, actually. T.G. Watts says, now that we have both a furry and a My Little Pony expert on the podcast, do you have any experiences <laughs> with the brony community you'd like to share? Hmm. Oh, I wouldn't even know where to begin. <laughs> What's the brony response been? Oh, to yeah. The to, to the, the video? video? Um, mostly positive, I think. Um, obviously, you mostly hear from the ones who are, like, mad. So a right. lot of, like, a lot of the saucy fan artists were, like, mad because they didn't watch my video, I think. Because, yeah. you know, if you've watched it, I, I wasn't really coming down hard on that. I The only thing I condemned was specifically, like, saucy art of child characters. So, like, some of the mm-hmm. people who were mad were drawing it of child characters. Um, so, you know, that I guess it was directed at them. But then a lot mm-hmm. of other people were just, like, drawing saucy fan art of other characters. And they were like oh, she's making this, like, puritanical video, like, making fun of us for drawing, like, porn of the ponies. And it, it was just, like, <laughs> I don't know. It, it, I think someone even went on, like, a podcast. They called into someone's, like, live stream or podcast and were, like, complaining about all these things that I hadn't said. And finally, like, the people in the chat were, like, none of that's in the video. And they were, like, oh, well, I didn't watch it. I just read, like, a Twitter thread that was angry about it. And <laughs> I was, like, it okay, that explains it. <laughs> no, they never but did. I think, I think most of the bronies were, like, supportive of it. Um you know, the ones that watched it all the way through, I think were good. Maybe some of them like rage quit in the first half hour because I hadn't like explained yet that I had been in the fandom. Mm. So they just like presumed that I hadn't been. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, there's uh, there's definitely overlap between the furry and brony community. Yeah. Mm. I mean, like a lot of bronies are also furries because why not? I mean, it's just a more specific mm-hmm. property. Whereas furry just encompasses... Yeah, the circle inside the Venn diagram. Yeah. <laughs> furry encompasses a concept and brony encompasses a specific property within that concept. So yeah, yeah there's a bit of overlap. Uh, I had some friends trying to convince me to go to a local brony uh, thing. And I was like, why? They're like, no, yeah, we're just going to like party there. I'm like, we can party <laughs> somewhere else like, th- th- what r- what really makes me not as excited to to do like a brony thing and no offense to bronies but there's there's a lot of lower age range you know not only in the uh participants right. but also like it you know it's a show that's for lower age range not to say that you can't enjoy it as mm-hmm. an adult or whatever but i i'm happy with the furry community i'm happy with the demographics there it's like a big family you know it's a lot of people i hang out with i don't want to show up even with other furry friends and then just be like let's have a room party away from this convention that's happening it's like well you don't really need the convention we can just do that we can have a party at (laughs) someone's house you can just get a hotel and have a party like i'm not gonna hang out with children or anything you're not gonna hang out with children so like why are we I don't know. Yeah, just, I, never I feel did like it. a lot of the hotel parties would be like furry parties. And then like, you know, the after parties would just be like the furries would post a banner, like come to this furry party, like after the con and they would have like free alcohol and like, you mm. know, they'd bring their own like disco lights and stuff. It was like, you know, you could tell it was these people that were very experienced with cons that yeah. like predated the brony community. Like, did you ever go to a con with the Klingon party at it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I have. Yeah, those guys are crazy. They like decorate the whole room like it's a starship. Yeah, that's the thing. At uh, I th- was that at FC or MFF? But uh, yeah, I was I was at the Klingon room. It was awesome. It's such like an ambitious party, and they do it like completely complimentary. Mm-hmm. They have like a tip jar, like yeah. but everything's just like they just show up to random cons to like throw an incredible party for everybody. It's amazing. Yeah, it's great. 
Yeah, come to uh, come to a furry convention. I should. I've never been to a furry convention. I've well, just been to brony conventions. I will be your spirit guide. I have been to the <laughs> Prancing Skill Tear, one of their parties, which mm-hmm. I didn't realize until after the fact were like the inventors of the furry fandom. I watched like a documentary oh, yeah. on them. But yeah, I because I used to just live really close to that house. Mm. And uh, <laughs> someone just brought it up like, hey, there's this crazy furry house party that happens once a month. And I was like, oh, I'll go to it. And it was like, surreal Mm -hmm. like it was a whole house that belonged to furries so like all the decor was like furry decor Mm -hmm. like they had all these shelves up high that were like plushies of like fievel and uh (laughs) land before time characters and stuff like that and a lot of lion king i know furries really love the lion king Mm -hmm. um but yeah just (laughs) crazy it's a crazy community because it does seem like a lot of people that are just like willing to altruistically like throw these parties for everybody else to have a good time and it's very welcoming so, yeah. yeah, I should go to a furry convention sometime. Do it. I need a fursona. You will be you will be assigned a fursona, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Make the line has one for us. When indulging in a series that's been released chronologically out of order, Star Wars, Halo, Lord of the Rings, Hobbit, etc., how do you typically go through them by release order or chronological order? Um typically I would say release order. Yeah, I, I would also say release order, but also I can't. I've never sat down and watched every Star Wars in a row, anyway. Yeah, but yeah, yeah I would either. say definitely release order. I would say release order. I don't like humans imposing their will. Like, yeah, this is how this is the order you made them. You know, you don't get to. Yeah, the release order. order is also like the, the original <laughs> vision know? of the story. Yeah, like, you know, exactly. if they've released it in a different order, it's Real still set up with all the like info you need in the order that you need it, regardless. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I would like to see a fan edit of all of the Saw films in one, but chronologically. <laughs> Ooh, oh, yeah, see, that I'd would actually that. be interesting because Saw is confusing. Yeah. <laughs> I bet yeah. I could Very do interesting. it. I think, I think I would have a good understanding of what I would actually where. watch that if you did it. Oh, yeah. That would be insane, especially with how much the flashbacks like negate former things that have happened. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very muddled <laughs> No, it, I would love just, that. Though. It'd be so chaotic. Oh, Amanda's <laughs> there too. If you did that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you have to cut in other characters with like green screen effects. Yeah. You would have to reshoot scenes to yeah. make it make sense. It it works. You don't understand. It's not contradictory. They planned right. this from the beginning. There's a around. saw Bible. Oh yeah, the one vision the whole time. Yeah, everything makes sense. Yeah, they've been planning it out even yeah. till now. Yeah, he's got a creepy notebook with like el- everything from start to finish for Saw. Yeah, Chris Rock. Chris Rock came up with the whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that would have been so good. I don't care what excuses they have. I, my favorite thing about Saw is them basically retconning the story. That's like one of my favorite things about. Me Saw. too. <laughs> they do Especially that. Especially because so the middle movies are like disappointing. You're like, yes, undo movie. it. Yeah. By all means. <laughs> he was. They were also, also, also helping Jigsaw. Yeah, the only scene I remember from the film Jigsaw is, like, when Dr. Gordon comes back, and that was, like, the greatest moment of cinema of, like, my entire life. (laughs) Like, creepy, campy Dr. Gordon comes in with a cane. The only thing I remember about that movie is how mad I was with the stupid, we're doing the same twist again thing, where it's like, this was before the other movies. Mm -hmm. You thought it was after. But they used, like, newer (laughs) flat-screen TVs when... Later in the yeah. time, Saw 1, Jigsaw uses, like, an old tube TV. I'm like, 
come on. You, either you did that deliberately yeah. or you don't care. Like, and also, that's been the exact twist for like five of the different Saw movies. Exactly. Like, you were mistaken about the timeline. And it's like, you can only do yeah. that a couple times before it stops being shocking. Yeah. Jigsaw is dead, but this whole movie happened before he died. Tricky. Yeah, in the past, before he died. Yeah, that's the twist. And he's got, he's got a million like disciples that he yeah. trains. Keep that he it going. Have, like, essentially Bring a, back Tobin Bell. I love yeah. getting one person to agree to do this with you, but he's like, "Yeah, Amanda helps him out." But like, yeah, oh, so Amanda was a good him. guy until she wasn't. But it turns out it was actually this other guy who's a cop who's actually Hoffman. working behind the scenes. And then, and, and then it wasn't Amanda Gordon also his disciple? And then yeah, like, Gordon, Gordon was, was also helping. Well. Well. It doesn't even make sense. <laughs> it's so, many so convoluted. Well, because Jigsaw like sense. nursed him back to health and gave him kisses and stuff. Yeah. And then the guy from the first movie is actually the guy who set it up the whole time. He was like actually the best. Well, no, he didn't work for him yet. He afterward, after he cut off his foot, he's like, maybe this guy is yeah, right he, about a couple of things. Jigsaw gave him kisses and he felt better. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. It's a hurt comfort thing. It's beautiful. I want them to do like a, a secret twin reveal. That's yeah, what just, I want so bad. I show it. Like, That's like Jigsaw wants. never Poor died. Yeah. It was his twin brother. Please do it. They, they're... They just don't think it'll work, but it'll totally work. Well, I remember like I you see him die, and I happened. was thinking like, oh, he's got a trick up his sleeve. <laughs> he faked his death, and then the fourth movie scream. begins with his brain being like removed by an autopsy <laughs> yeah. person, and you're yeah. like, oh, I guess he did really die. I'd scream with glee, <laughs> but he left a tape in his tummy. <laughs> <laughs> he would scream. Let's do this one from Mister Hollywood. People usually only ever see you from the torso up in your videos. I think we deserve to know what shoes do each of you wear. <laughs> That's funny. It's fucking purple shit. Whatever's purple and comfortable, I don't care. Purple, wow, nice. Wow, yeah. I like purple. In my videos, I, like I don't shoes. really wear shoes because I'm, in, I'm inside. I usually put my feet up on the chair out mm. of frame. Um, but I guess if I'm inside and I am wearing shoes, it's my Lightning McQueen Crocs because I use those to Damn. go in my garage and like if I have <laughs> yeah, to I take out garbage inside, or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <You have> Jordans. <laughs> I no, wish I, I had Jordans. Yeah, I'm a Kiwi. I don't wear shoes. It's just not <laughs> yeah. the sandals. <laughs> yeah, jandals. <laughs> I wear a lot of sneakers. Under Armour, nice. Nike. Mm-hmm. Sneaky boy. Is that one? A sneaky boy. <laughs> no, you're the sneaky boy. Exactly. Oh, I'm a sneaky boy. Oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> All right, that was an easy question, I guess. Sneaky boy. Yeah. yeah. Simple. What about this one from QB Daisuki? Sorry for that. Any favorite sitcoms? I feel like you guys haven't talked about sitcoms very much in the podcast. Oh yeah, I usually don't like them, but Fresh Prince. I would say that's the one okay. I like. Okay. <laughs> Fresh Prince of Bel Air. I I don't really watch like TV shows at all, uh, let alone really? sitcoms. I guess when I was a kid, I watched like Disney Channel. So I guess I'll say Sister Sister. <laughs> the only one <laughs> I can think of. I've never like seen Wizards Friends or Place. any of that stuff. That was a <laughs> yeah, little after like my time. Okay, I heard it okay. was good though. It won Emmys and stuff. Sure. But uh, I like Sweet Life of uh, Zach and Cody. <laughs> oh wow! When I was a kid. Okay. I guess Seinfeld is good. Seinfeld's probably yeah, the best. I'm a Seinfeld fan. Yeah, yeah I Seinfeld. haven't watched any grown-up sitcoms. I haven't sitcoms. watched it all the way through. I'm not huge on Seinfeld. Bring on the hate, everybody. But I love Curb Your Enthusiasm. 
That's like the the ideal yeah. version mm-hmm. of Seinfeld that I like. Well, do we mean a sitcom without an, a live audience or with a live audience? It can audience? have a sitcom um, without yeah, it being... It about a Seinfeld, sitcom doesn't yeah, need like, to be a Sure, but I think people like to specify at least. Because like, there's a difference between Big Bang Theory and something like Seinfeld. <laughs> well, yeah, because some people call like Arrested Development a sitcom. I guess I like yeah, that one. Yeah, situational but, comedy. Yeah, when I think sitcom, I think like studio yeah. audience. Or like The Office. But The Office doesn't have a live audience. You know, it's very different. Yeah. I think the it's Simpsons much more yeah, People can be very literal. Sit- yeah, yeah I mean, I like The Simpsons. But it's like an animated sitcom. Seasons one to three of Arrested Development is a good answer. Seasons one to three. Yeah, of I never don't watched matter. the last season as as with many people. So yeah, yeah, just yeah. don't just don't bother. If you're gonna count without like a live audience, I love The Office. I think The Office is great until Steve Carell leaves, which UK is what everyone says. Okay. the UK right, one yeah. I like too. Um, Steve Carell one I like better. It's I think it's I liked, more. My did Steve. you guys ever see Extras by Ricky Gervais? I felt like that was his yeah, funny yeah. series oh. to me. It is um, funny. You should check it out. If you liked The Office, you should watch Extras. It's very funny. Sure. Yeah, I bet I'd like bad. it. Um, Freaks and Geeks, I bet I'd like that, too. I haven't seen it. Alex was asking why I didn't like Seinfeld. Yeah, what's your um, problem with Seinfeld? Yeah. It's, I don't have a hatred towards Seinfeld, but it doesn't stick with me <laughs> at all. And I feel like I've watched every single episode, but I also feel like I've watched one episode. You know, right. where it's like if if, <laughs> if I just happen to be at someone else's house and there's a Seinfeld episode playing or somebody shares a clip on Reddit or something, or I happen to see a moment from Seinfeld, this will happen like 200 different times. I'm like, oh, I've seen that. I've seen that. But in my memory, <laughs> I've only watched like one. E- I, I don't mm, remember sure. watching all of these episodes. That's part of the joy of it. You know, it's just like about nothing. You know, it's I like do so think that's kind of the appeal of it. Right. Yeah. Like, if you're in the mood yeah. for that kind of thing, which I am right now, like now I want to watch Seinfeld. But I think that's what's kept me away from it. Yeah. Is that it's very, uh, I don't know, formulaic, maybe incredibly formulaic. But I don't even want to insult love it. Because Seinfeld, Seinfeld's like, tracks. he's a fucking genius. I don't even <laughs> Jerry Seinfeld's a genius. Yeah. Yeah, I love Curb Your Enthusiasm, though. I hope we see another Absolutely. season. Absolutely. He wrote on Seinfeld, right? Yeah, he's Mary a David. co-creator. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's a co-creator on it. Yeah. And, and yeah, George Curb Your Enthusiasm, that's another great sitcom. So have you Not seen all of Curb Your Enthusiasm? I've seen a lot of, like, the best episodes, like the one where he goes to the baseball game with the with the prostitute. Or, like, you know, like, there's a lot of funny, there's a lot of funny episodes <laughs> of that shit. It's a really good show. There's, like, an entire season where they do, like, a, a Seinfeld reunion subplot. Oh really? Yeah, where the because oh, yeah? Larry David <laughs> is playing himself in the show, and so in the show right. they do a yeah. Seinfeld reunion special, and <laughs> yeah, it's really Curb funny. is very it's funny. So funny. I still have to watch like the newer seasons, but I like I've seen like the best of. Um, I love um, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. If you'd mm-hmm. count that as yeah. a sitcom, I think that's oh, really yeah. those characters are so like they're almost like despisable, but I think they're very funny too. Oh yeah. Um. They do a lot of unlikable things, but it's, I guess, a commentary on how shitty people are. It's a commentary on eating disorders, Ralph. You didn't get it. Oh, I didn't even pick up on that. <laughs> it's about the, how they have to be punished. Yeah, D has an eating disorder. <laughs> the trash, man. I think Danny DeVito um, really holds that show together, though. Yeah. Like, second season, when he showed up, that's when the show got yeah, really good. Yeah, he does need to yeah. be there, I reckon. Yeah, he absolutely needs to be there. They're all great. I think all of them add something. Even D and Dennis. <laughs> Mac with uh, his like constant like weight loss and weight gain like I don't even mm-hmm. understand what's going on. It's like fat it just for depends a on the episode. Yeah, he's yeah. fat for one season. Like, it's very weird. <laughs> very bizarre humor. 
I love that stuff. For though. me, the the answer is Peep Show. Like, as far peep as show? British like, cringe humor. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you guys like that kind of like you know where it's like just so uncomfortable you actually want to? Well, that's what rip the office face is. Off. And I think it's yeah, funny, it's, definitely, it's like but it's not like, but I don't funny. know, I don't like it as much as kind of dumb I live for that American kind of stuff. Humor. It must be like I a British thing. I feel thing, much yeah. more safe with like dumb The Office. Right. You know, Whereas Peep Show is about like making you feel bad. smashing a vending machine. <laughs> like that's much more safe to me. I loved The American Office when it first came out and I watched it all the way through up until, I don't know, mid-season seven before I realized I wasn't laughing at anything and then never looked back. Yeah. Um, yeah. But <laughs> oh it's crazy how quick you can drop off of a show like just like that. Like Heroes. I loved Heroes for two seasons mm-hmm. and then oh, season three. Oh, I used three. to love Heroes. Yeah, you watched same, Heroes same. too? I loved I Heroes. That I did. That was like one of the I only shows off. I watched. I, I watched so, so little serialized TV because I didn't have like a TiVo in my room. So that made it oh, like yeah. a, kind of an impossible task to watch like serialized things. So I just would only watch like, you know, channels with movies playing and stuff. But Heroes, mm-hmm. they would post every new episode on the NBC website like with ads. Yeah, so I, I would watch that, it every yeah. week and I, I was so into it. And it, I'm sure if I rewatched it, I would think it was dumb the whole time. But it got <laughs> yeah. really dumb. Like, even at that age, I realized how dumb Zachary it got. Quinto. Oh, yeah, the Zachary cast was Quinto, so talented. Hayden Panettiere. Like, a lot of big people mm-hmm. like that you've seen in Yeah, and um, I love that guy that plays uh, Claire's dad. I don't remember the act. I think sure. Coleman, something yeah. Coleman. Olivia he's like Coleman. a character actor. Oh, he's, he's not like oh, in a lot. Yeah, he's very exactly talented, I think. Don't look at me! I think he's a good guy. Yeah, I watched the... British office in the past few years and loved it and I like it better than the American one um, and I don't the think I could go yeah. back and watch the American one not that they tackled <laughs> everything the same but I've tried like even just watching <laughs> clips on Reddit and stuff I'm like man I just I feel like I grew out of it not to say like everybody who enjoys yeah. it as a child mm-hmm. or anything I like can that, see but that I just really I, can I don't see I don't that. gel with it anymore even the early stuff that I remembered fondly I think it was good for its mm-hmm. time. It stood out. Yeah. I think the characters are great. Yeah. I think Steve Carell. Mockumentary and, like, the style actors too, and all I mean. that. But Yeah, that. Yeah. I think I think Steve Carell. I love all those it actors. It was refreshing for its time. Dwight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, got, John like, Krasinski went on to do other things. That was yeah, cool. Yeah, he directed uh, quite yeah, a Yeah, and Pam was oh, in right. Pam was in Taking of Pelham. Or, or no, not Taking of Pelham. Uh, what's that other one? 1517 to Paris. Oh. <laughs> She's in that. <laughs> <laughs> Which is pretty bad. Let's do this one from Johnny the Fancy Man. What is more important, a good story with badly written characters or a bad story with really interesting characters? Oh, Personally, I feel like the characters of the story are more important, but what do you guys think? Example, in my opinion, Tenet has a pretty cool story, but really boring characters. Um, I definitely say the latter. I, I really care about characters. I would say that Game of Thrones is a good example of a badly written story with well-written characters, <laughs> uh, for most of it anyway. Sure. But... um. Yeah, I, I always care more about characters, um, although I obviously care about things like themes and story and things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, uh-huh. I feel like the movie needs that to come together, but I think the movie will be worse if it has bad characters. So, yeah, I would pick good characters. Yeah, they're kind of the meat and potatoes. Yeah. Like Tarantino movies, very strong characters. Usually the plots are good, not as strong, though. They're more about the characters. I don't think the plots are bad, though, you know? Like, I don't think Hateful Eight, the plot is bad. I just think there's a lot of, like, character interaction. And uh, I like that stuff. It just depends on what you're looking for. I don't know if I can think of a single example of a well-written movie with poorly written characters because that makes the movie poorly written. 
right? The characters oh, are yeah. the sub- yeah. the, the yeah. s- characters are the subject that the plot is happening to. So if you have an interesting plot but shit characters, it means nothing because you, if you don't, it's like you could you could have a murder happen, and if the character <laughs> sucks, you're like, I don't care that they got murdered, sure. or I don't care that their mother got murdered. I or mean, something, I guess right? their example like, was Tenet. Which I feel like Tenet was yeah. a good example. I mean, that I the didn't like Tenet, picked... so... <laughs> and I don't well, even think why. it had a great story. Honestly, <laughs> if we're being perfectly honest, I don't think it had a good story. Inherent Vice is a good one. I, I like the I like Tenet a lot, but those characters are not. It's not really the focus of the movie. Those characters. Well, the thing is, like, my so favorite weird. thing about Christopher Nolan is like he writes such good monologues for his characters. Like you know, mm-hmm. Prestige is like my favorite one that he's mm-hmm. done. And that one has so many like iconic lines and moments and monologues. Sure. Or and the like, Joker Tenet and Dark Knight. was just like yeah. action and like explaining the logistics of his sci-fi concept. So it was like so little to, to cling to, I guess. I don't know. The characters in Tenet are so, because, you know, they're like people who went through time and stuff. They're so weird. Like you don't even, you can't even relate to them. He is named you know? Protagonist. Well, you don't learn that much about them. <laughs> he's literally named Tenet Protagonist. The main guy much. in Tenet, he's called the Protagonist. Exactly. Like he's lived through the whole thing and he's trying to reorganize it. Like it's so odd. Yeah. Whenever they talk to each other, it's not about like what makes them a character or like how they, how their dynamic is. It's like yeah. talking about the mission they're about to do. Or explaining mm-hmm. something about his sci-fi science, so it's yeah. like it is. You can tell <laughs> right. he like he was probably really enamored of this concept for like a lot of years, and just had had thought about it for so long that he like really wanted to convey this like concept he thought of, and just completely ran out of time to like develop any characters, <laughs> which of. made it not work for me. But, Which is yeah. the theme of the movie, yeah. Inception has stronger character stuff for sure. Tenet is not as focused yeah. on that. It's more focused on like the action and like the the concept, which is really bizarre. And they have to. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of explaining for that. I was just thinking. I was trying to wrap my brain trying to think of an example of a good story with badly written characters in a film. It makes the story I think bad. I thought of one. Oh yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The M Night Last Airbender movie is kind of that problem because oh. it's, it's, it's based off a good story but the translation yeah, is missing all of the character writing sure. in depth which is what made it good so it just has nothing See, I, I based yeah. off of a good story doesn't mean good story though mm-hmm. and so as a person who's never seen the the original but it was technically the same story so i guess it counts it is this it is beat for beat the same story it's just badly told and i would say the original Very story is good compressed though too right yeah it's, mm-hmm. it's uh condensed yeah, I don't know, because I, I think that having bad characters makes the story bad. Like, the characters are an extension of this. Yeah. They're a part of the story, right? Yeah, fundamentally. Yeah. So it almost it. seems like oxymoronic. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think Tenet is a good example, though. That would be mm-hmm. one of my criticisms with the movie. It's just not as focused on characters, you know? Because it is so weird. The concept's so weird. Yeah, and I, I think The Last Airbender was a good example because you're like, yeah. oh, yeah, the, the story beats are physically there, but they're like hollow mm-hmm. because they didn't develop any of the characters. We got n- yeah, no vessel to connect yeah. to it. The through. show, you get much more time to develop those people. Yeah, or any show. I mean, I think a lot of people said that of Tenet is like if only it had been like an HBO prestige miniseries or something sure. like that. He yeah. probably could have done something better with it. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But then it wouldn't have had that pacing, you know, like that movie is so intense, I think. For I'm me, sure he anyway. would have added more intense action scenes and stuff. Though <laughs> it's just not about the characters; it's about that experience of like going on that roller coaster ride. And if you like, okay, uh, after an hour, we're going to take a break, like cut to credits. See you next week. That takes you out of it a little. I, uh, I think Nolan understands like film. No, I think he could, you could reescalate. Yeah. You could have dialogue, and then you could reescalate into the action scenes. You could add more action <laughs> scenes in the in the middle. 
I'm sure there was I, more drama I, I, going on with those yeah. characters. Yeah. I, I love the experience of just watching it all at once. You know, I think that's more what he mm-hmm. wants to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The characters in that movie are, they're odd for sure. <laughs> I think of like Zack Snyder too, whereas uh, what has ruined, well, uh, a few <laughs> yeah. ruined his movies, but, <laughs> but, but particularly standout is, like is how weak his characters are. Yeah. Nolan's just like, you know, Robert Pattinson's character in Tenet, his like that first scene when he's interacting with the protagonist, they had been with each other for like years at that point from Robert Pattinson's mm-hmm. point of view. Like, how do you even write that? It's so bizarre. Yeah, you'd think he could have infused some kind of like warmth or fondness between them, given their backstory. But even when they <laughs> yeah, reveal, it, there's like no emotional impact from that revelation. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah, it's very right. concept heavy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. very concept heavy. It did feel like it had a skeleton that you could put good characters into and put a lot of drama into, mm-hmm. but it just sure. wasn't quite there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I like the music. It's like very uh, <laughs> hypnotic. I thought that was the coolest part is like when he goes into the, when he goes through like backwards in time or whatever, it feels mm-hmm. very like scary and visceral. Like you hear his like breathing in your ears and yeah. it, it helps you feel how like it's scary kind of it is in a way that you probably couldn't if it was just like, you know, if it was just a distant shot and a lot of helicopter sounds, sure. you'd be like, okay, he's running and getting shot at, whatever. I don't know. But I feel I like would not having a more that. POV made yeah, it scary. I wouldn't want to mm-hmm. be in that situation where I'd have to reverse in time. It seems pretty scary. Good news. Whenever he was like seeing <laughs> stuff reverse. <laughs> I, I think that's why I like that character because whenever he saw stuff reverse in time, he was like really freaked out by it. You could tell. He's like, what the fuck mm-hmm. is going on? I don't know. I don't feel like that's a character though. I feel like that's a, you know, it, it didn't, I don't know. I just didn't feel like we knew anything about him or his like personality. I, I felt like there was a well shot sequence, but I didn't feel like it assisted his character. Yeah. Cause he's so odd. It's such a, like, you don't know anything about him. And like post when the movie's over, he kind of reorganizes everything to be in place when the movie starts, you know, like all those pieces. Mm-hmm. That kind of pop up during the movie that you're like, or like Robert Pattinson showing up. How is that possible? It's because like the protagonist set it all up when the movie's over. It's like such mm-hmm. a weird idea. Does it hold up on rewatch or does it just get worse? Because I've only seen it once. I, I watched um, it after I got my vaccine. Well, I watched it when I was sick. I oh, yeah. liked it. <laughs> I'm like, well, this is really trippy. It's just, it's yeah. so different. I, I get the character part of it because I think mm-hmm. the characters are like, they're so abstract like the concept is so abstract how do you even make a character mm-hmm. like that relatable who's like going through time and shit like that but i don't know i thought the concept worked i think he did the best he could <laughs> i like tenet a lot 10 out of 10 out of 10 10 out of 10 the crazy music <laughs> and the, the visuals that's really what makes it <laughs> All right, I guess that uh, about does it for questions. Thank you, yeah, nice. everybody, that for was your cool. submissions. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. And I guess we have a film recommendation. I believe it's from Ralph this time for next episode. Is it really from me? Well, last was time was... No, because oh, yeah, I did Cure. Uh, Cure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. There we go. Okay. Are you prepared? Um. I'm going to recommend a movie from 2000 called Almost Famous. Okay. From director Cameron Crowe. Haven't seen that one in a long time. Oh, yeah. Cool. I really love that movie. Super cool. Have you seen it, Alex? I haven't seen it, no. Okay. Thanks. I've Mm -hmm. seen Vanilla Sky, though. 
Mm-hmm. Is it a is that Cameron Crowe? Really? You wrote it. Yeah. Oh, cool. I've seen uh I've seen Vanilla Sky and you know the one it's based on. I forgot the name of it. It's like a Spanish movie. So if you don't want to get spoiled for Almost Famous Year Two Thousand, directed by Cameron Crowe, watch it before the next episode of this podcast. These episodes come out every two weeks. You can listen to them early as they're edited by going to sardonicast.com, signing up for premium, $2 a month. Same with patreon.com slash sardonicast. Also, we got merch. And I'm assuming our lovely guest, Jenny Nicholson, might have some things to plug. Where would people find you if (laughs) they wanted to check out some of your stuff? Plug whatever you want. Oh, they can see me on YouTube at my channel, which is named Jenny Nicholson. And... That's it. It's a awesome. great show. Oh, and vote for me in the Hugos. If you are if you have a membership for the Hugos, you can vote for me. If you've seen all the content I'm oh. up against and you really think that my it's work is It's a voting is. process. Okay. Yeah. yeah awesome. Come on, everyone, vote. Yeah. Oh. Have you seen Almost Famous? I've not. You should. It's very good. It's a very good movie. I'll watch it too, but I won't be back to give my thoughts on it. But I'll just watch it. <laughs> it's fine. Just watch it. It's a okay. good movie. Watch it at some point. Add it to yeah. your watch list. Okay. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining. Uh and have Yeah, a thanks for having me. Happy Trek everybody. Shrek. Shrek is oh. love. Shrek is life. Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye everyone.